the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I know uh, the Ellswick family had a good one. Had 17 people around the table. Well, not 17 around the table. We had two, four, six, eight, eleven around the table. Six were in the living room on the different couches with TV tra- tables, and two were sitting on the hearth of the fireplace <laughs> uh, with the TV trays as well. The grandkids, they don't get to sit around the table, don't have a big enough table. I guess maybe next year I'll have to buy a, a big old piece of uh, plywood and some uh, horses and put it up in the in the living room and put folding chairs around it or something, Russ. But we had a good time. I didn't show you the picture. Yeah, I'll show it to you to, uh, during the break. Got a picture of the whole crew. Uh, Robert Steinbach was there as well. I think he had a good time. He got a big kick out of being around the uh, the table with uh, the Ellswicks. He really had a fun time talking to my son-in-law and my, my son after dinner and uh, their experiences in Afghanistan and Iraq. It was pretty interesting time for him to ask questions and and get some uh, legitimate, straightforward answers at that time. Duck called me Saturday. Well, he didn't call me. He texted me. You're going to love this, Ross. He sends me a text. Here, I'm going to read it. I want to make sure I don't screw it up. I want to read it to you. It's a, it's a great text. Uh, but he uh, he sent me a text. And um, let me find myself here. i got to get to it. Okay, text. Bring it up. Okay, there we go. I'm seeing it now. All right, duck, 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 duck. There it is. He says, this is on Friday, Friday at 6.05 p.m. Makes this statement. I killed your dog. (laughs) I'm going to bring to you this is uh, Don. Yes, we're going to talk to Mike Cutler here in just a second. I just I got to get I got to get this. Did you hear this text here? Duck sends me a text Friday evening, and it says, "I killed your dog. I'm going to bring to you." This is Don. He sent it to me at six oh five. I reply <laughs> at nine uh, about eleven minutes later at sixteen after you killed my dog. Question mark. At seven o'clock or at uh, four four in the afternoon on Saturday, I get an answer. Deer. <laughs> I killed your dog. Went to I killed your deer. Right, he, he got a deer. And uh, bringing your deer. Meet me at Highway Five exit at two thirty. That was on Sunday yesterday. And uh, Cabot Duck. And then I said, five and, you know, 167, 67. He says, yeah, 230. 
And I go, there's a gas station there. I'll meet you. So we met at the Exxon station. And he says, here we be <laughs> waiting for me. I drove down. He, get, he got a dough for me, man. I, t- I dropped it off uh, to Tracy at the buck stops here on the way into work today. Guess how long it's going to take to get it back? I have no idea. Two weeks. She's busy. Dude, she's more than just busy. She's a she's in a in a butt kicking contest with both of her legs missing. I'm just telling you, it's that place was rocking today. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I said one, two, three, four, five, six people were uh taking meat off of uh you know bones. She was up there working, and there was another person that was moving the meat up that was done for people to pick up today. It was busy. She's going to come on. I talked to her about coming on, and she says, I can do it when we slow down a little bit. So we'll get her on here before Christmas, but I'm not saying how soon before Christmas. All right, so you're aware of what's going on down at the border. Uh, they uh, they fired tear gas at the uh, at the migrant uh, people that rushed, you know, they 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 rushed the border and they uh, fired tear gas at them. Uh, I got a real quick uh, piece of audio. Let me play it for you. Uh, this is one of the big border patrol agents from San Diego. Cut number two. Here's what he told CNN. Pretty much for being with us. We've been looking at these pictures for the last 20 hours or so. You've been right in the middle of it watching. We're lucky to have you on this morning. Explain the decision to use the tear gas, because that is one question I think people have this morning. So one of our primary missions is to make sure that we keep the border safe and secure. Uh, I kind of challenge that this was a peaceful protest um, or that the majority of these people were claiming asylum. Uh, We ended up making about 42 arrests only eight of those were females, and there were only a few children involved. The vast majority of the people we're dealing with are adult males. Similar to what we saw uh, the first wave of the caravan that came up about a week or so ago, uh, the group immediately started throwing rocks and debris at our, at our agents, taunting the agents. Once our agents were assaulted and the numbers started growing, we had you know two or three agents at a time initially facing hundreds of people at a time. Uh, they deployed tear gas to protect themselves and to protect the border. Were any of your agents hurt? So at least three agents were actually struck by rocks, but they were uh, they were in tactical gear. Uh, so their helmets and their shields and their bulletproof vest actually protected them from the rocks. We did have a few vehicles that were damaged, some windows and, and quite a few dents. Uh, but none of the agents were seriously injured. And you just gave us a bit of news this morning because we had been reporting that there were 39 arrests on the Mexican side of the border. We're hearing from the first time for you that there were 42 arrests on the U.S. side, so 42 people did manage to cross the border? That, that is correct. 42 crossed the border and were arrested. Uh, to be completely frank, there were numerous people that actually made it across the border. Uh, we're in the process of building the new border wall here, but we don't have it completed. Uh, there were some sections that had the dilapidated uh, border wall that was made out of a scrap metal the military gave us. Uh, the, the group breached a couple sections of that, actually tore down one small section, uh, started to rush across, and that's another time that they started assaulting our agents. We were able to hold them back uh, using riot-type te- riot techniques. But there were... Uh, Ultimately, 42 arrests of individuals, um, 
And, and again, as I mentioned, the, the vast majority of those were adult males. Did you feel as if you had enough agents at the border to handle this situation? Were your people overwhelmed? We were, able to ma we were able to manage this and effectively control this, but I want to be clear that all of our agents on a daily basis are fully employed. Uh, we had to bring in uh, several hundred border, additional Border Patrol agents from around the country, several addition, hundred additional CBP officers from around the country. That's affecting our operations in other areas. But the fact that no one made it across the border or passed our defenses, I would say we were adequately staffed. But it was not without a cost. All right, so... That's what it was like this weekend, and uh, if you remember back uh, in in the uh, the past, and I, I forget what year it was, uh, but uh, during the Obama administration, it seems like 2012, 2013, uh, you know, because the left is going crazy. Today. You shot tear gas at those people. Well, of course they did. They were throwing freaking rocks at our people. Lucky they didn't level uh firearms with live ammo at them but they uh they fired uh fired uh tear gas at them uh during uh, obama's uh time in office they had fired uh, uh pepper pepper uh, bull, uh pepper balls at them that that stuff is just as bad as uh, tear gas is and uh if you're saying well there were children in there and there were women up there uh, i have another cut that We'll dispel that myth for you real quickly. Most of the people that were at the border this weekend uh, were, in fact, males. Michael Cutler joins us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's been waiting. He he got to listen to that segment uh, from the Border Patrol and, and what really went down on the border. He's a senior special agent of the former uh, Immigration and Naturalization Service. It's good to have him. I have him all the time when things are happening on the border he understands the situation there. Hey, Michael, how are you this morning? And I hope that you had a great Thanksgiving. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, we had a fabulous Thanksgiving. My son drove up from Virginia with his wife. Our two grandchildren joined our other three kids. Um, my second oldest got married, so we joined their family. It was wow. really a festive day. I hope you had a great day as well. And I call days like that gifts. Uh, yeah. You could sit down with your entire family and have a great meal. It doesn't get better. And we still have a lot to be thankful for. But to get to this issue, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish. My grandmother was slaughtered in Poland because of our religion. And many of the people that I grew up around had been granted asylum in the United States. They were fleeing persecution and death by the Nazi bums. Uh, and I can assure you that nobody in my community would have been waving Nazi flags, would have been waving the swastika. When you look at people saying they want asylum in America, the first thing that strikes me is if you're being oppressed and persecuted in your home country, why would you be waving the flag of the country you claim is oppressing you? Is that not a reasonable first question? Well, sure it is. And, and this Border Patrol agent that we just heard was uh, the number one Border Patrol guy there in San Diego said if they wanted asylum, they'd ask for it instead of throwing rocks at them. But understand what's happened. Uh, first of all, you know, I write for a number of websites. I hope after your program, your listeners will go check it out. But I've been writing quite a bit for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, and The Social Contract. What we're witnessing on the border 
Uh, I've, I've compared it, and I, I mentioned this when I was on Fox. I'll be on Fox and Friends first tomorrow, first edition or first, whatever they call it. And I said, this is like being hit by a snowball during a blizzard. Every single day, America is inundated by lots of illegal aliens, people who violate the immigration laws for reasons only they know. Many come to work, but others aren't coming for something as innocuous, although it's a serious problem. We also have criminals coming here. We have terrorists coming here. The backdrop for what's happening on the border has to be the trial here in Brooklyn, New York, in the Eastern District of New York, of Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, uh, allegedly the most violent and pernicious drug dealer from Mexico, who is alleged to have moved with the Sinaloa cartel more than 200 tons of cocaine into the United States across the border. He also is charged with smuggling meth, heroin, marijuana, being involved in, in violent crimes and murders. Uh, and it's remarkable because last year, the DEA threat assessment reported that over 63,000 people died of opiate overdoses. Meanwhile, we have cities and states declaring marijuana to be a recreational drug. You know, those terms don't go together, recreation and drug. Uh, to me, recreation is tennis, golf, horseback riding, uh, horseshoes, okay? Right. <laughs> Playing chess. Where did we get to the point that using a drug that is a hallucinogen become recreation. And you've got the Democratic Party, worse than the Republicans, but only marginally. You had the Republicans in control of both houses of Congress and the president, and the president strongly in favor of a border wall, effective enforcement. We have no wall. We didn't hire more ICE agents. Part of the problem that you're seeing, what you're seeing, is that sanctuary cities, aid, abet, induce, and encourage illegals to come here. And when both political parties have a debate, the foregone conclusion is, well, we can't arrest them all, so all we can do is give them legal status. Mm -hmm. So now the debate is, do we give them citizenship that the Democrats want because they want the votes, or do we, quote, only give them lawful status so they can work here? So no matter what happens, aliens who run the border have been told by the leadership from both American major political parties that once in the United States, you are home free. And look at catch and release. Aliens get arrested. And by the way, not just on the border, but ICE agents make arrests and frequently don't have the jail space. So they arrest them. They fingerprint them. They photograph them. They cut them loose. They give them a date to show up and they never show up. Notices to appear are sarcastically referred to by ICE agents and Border Patrol agents as notices to disappear. So with, with all of this going on, why is anyone shocked that this is what's happening on the border? And the Democrats, by the way, are calling for hearings to find out why the Border Patrol didn't simply admit everybody who wants in instead of holding them back and using tear gas they want anarchy on the border. And here's what's being left out of the whole conversation. Number one, most of the applications for political asylum will either be denied for lack of evidence right. or will be abandoned by the people who file it. It's obviously just a ploy to get past the border. But the normal means of entering any country is not to claim asylum, but to obtain a visa before coming. These aliens know they can't obtain visas, many of them because they have criminal histories. There was also an article uh, that I wrote wherein I included a quote from a, um, 
Uh, let me see if I can pull this up for you real quickly, because there was a hearing about Iran and its terror operations in Latin America. When most people hear Iran, they think Middle East, and they should. Yeah. But let's also understand that Iran is operating throughout Latin America through its surrogates. Hezbollah and Hamas, both are terrorist organizations. So there was a hearing on this. And what, what's so remarkable is that it's been noted that Iranian terrorists have been operating with human traffickers throughout Latin America to push narcotics and people into the United States. Number one, those are lucrative crimes. But number two, to provide them with opportunities to put sleeper cells into the United States. When people run the border, it's not just they're violating the law. Everyone says, well, they're violating the law. Who really cares? People speed all the time. Why should we care if they're violating the law? What they're violating is the evasion of the vetting process at ports of entry. In other words, they're trespassing. And what's so remarkable, Chuck Schumer, about two or three years ago, right on his official website, talked about how trespassing on critical infrastructure or national landmarks creates a danger for Americans all over the country. And he wanted a five-year penalty under federal law to anybody who would trespass on critical infrastructure or landmarks. The same Chuck Schumer, however, says when you trespass on America, you've somehow become entitled to U.S. citizenship. The disconnect, the hypocrisy, the lunacy of it all uh, seems to have escaped detection by the mainstream media. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, look, uh, you have the left screaming about us using tear gas. The left didn't, it wasn't a squeak when Obama used pepper balls on on the border against people who who tried to bull rush uh, our border. I mean, it, this is this is craziness, Michael. I mean, this is uh, cannot the American people see through this charade that's going on right now? Well, look who they voted for. You want to talk about the masses or asses? Who did they vote for? <laughs> Let me read. That was what we used to say back at Brooklyn College when I was a student more years ago that I can't remember. But, but let me read, this is the, this, the section of testimony. The hearing was on April the 17th, 2018, by the Counterterrorism and Intelligence Subcommittee in the House. The topic of the hearing was state sponsors of terrorism and examination of Iran's global terrorist network. Well, this is not something that you read before bedtime, and here we go. In recent years, Hezbollah, by the way, the, the, the author of this, the witness, Dr. Emmanuel Otolenge of the Foundation of Def for Defense of Democracies was not challenged by any of the other witnesses, including the Democrat witness who agreed with him. Think about that. Both sides are in agreement. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates, often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Cooperation includes the laundering of drug money, arranging multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, and directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. Proceeds from these activities finance Hezbollah's arms procurement, its terror activities overseas, its hold on Lebanon's political system, and its efforts both in Lebanon and overseas to keep the Shia community loyal to its causes and complicit in its endeavors. Now, here's the critical sentence. Listen carefully. This toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. It is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs. It is helping Iran and Hezbollah 
consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America. It is thus facilitating their efforts to build safe havens for terrorists and the continent-wide terror infrastructure that they could use to strike U.S. targets. Now, over the weekend, Iran threatened to use their missiles to hit our ships in that part of the world. So clearly we have a really um, confrontational relationship, if you want to call it a relationship at all, with Iran. Since President Trump came to office and agreed that the deal that was cut by the Obama administration with Iran over the nuclear program was outrageous and withdrew from the program, Iran has been threatening to surprise us. Right on the heels of all of this, what do we have? A caravan. And by the way, further information, the president of Guatemala said that his people had arrested nearly 100 ISIS terrorists in Guatemala, had deported them, and that Venezuela has been sending money to fund the caravan. Venezuela's broke. They're a failed state. However, Venezuela has been working hand in glove with Iran for over a decade because Iran has been sending their Quds forces, their elite shock troops, to Venezuela directly from Tehran. So we know that there's this close bond between Venezuela and Iran. We know that Venezuela has been funding, at least to some extent, the caravan. We know from witnesses at a number of congressional hearings, not just the one that I quoted, that Iran and Hezbollah have been working with the drug cartels and human trafficking organizations in Latin America to flood America with foreign nationals and narcotics, both for the money and to provide Iran with the opportunity to embed sleeper agents in the United States. And finally, the last couple of years, Iranian sleeper agents have been arrested in the United States. So if you put all of this together, what we are looking at is the potential for a massive number of Iranian terrorists to enter the United States. And by the way, this isn't far-fetched when you consider what had happened in Europe when ISIS was dispersing and they were embedding themselves in the refugee flows. And what was their tactic? To put women and children at the head of the yep. line. Human so shields. There is a violent conflict. They get injured. Guess who was at the head of the line heading for our border? Today, women and children. Yeah, they've been using they human happen. shields for a long time. That's, That's right. But this is consistent with that. We've never seen that in Latin America this way before. Right. Right. It's a Middle Eastern terrorist tactic. All right. So, Michael, I asked for a half hour. Can you go longer? I can go a bit longer for you, yes. Okay. Well, we got a break at the bottom of the hour, get news in and get some uh, commercials, and we'll come back to you. Our guest is go Michael. Pay the bills. Yep. Got to do that. Michael Cutler is our uh, special guest. He is uh, a former ICE uh, agent, been with ICE for many, 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 many years. This is a man who knows what's going on behind the scenes. He keeps. His finger on the pulse. I've talked to Michael Cutler for years here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He used to come to hold their feet to the fire quite often. We'd have him on then. We'd have him on uh, as far as uh, his time uh, that he can give us from his uh, home office. Uh, You can read his articles, frontpagemag.com. That's where you go, frontpagemag.com. And I suggest that you uh, take a close look at those and uh, educate yourself because there's a lot of things going on that nobody is talking about. I mean, nobody except this man right here. All right, so let's get the news in. Find out in 60 seconds what's the major stories that are going on. 
the president made the statement today that no one comes into the United States except legally. We'll talk about all of that and more when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so if you're looking for a career working outdoors, serving your community, you like to use your hands, well, the place to uh, put your uh, resume in and the place that you should look at working at is over at PI Roofing. PI Roofing has got openings in all of their departments right now. They're looking to expand. They're expanding all of their operations, and you can be part of it. You can make up to uh, $20 an hour working with the folks at PI Roofing. All you have to do, just send your resume to piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. Now, if you'd like to talk to somebody as well, 501-707-3551 is the number to call. That's 501-707-3551. And our uh, guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show, none other than Michael Cutler, who has been on our show many a time and uh, is joining us today because of all the things that went on on the uh, the border over the weekend. The use of tear gas and all Oh, how terrible that is, tear gas. Uh, that was used to disperse the crowd that was throwing rocks at our people. And if you heard the uh, piece of audio I played earlier, uh, some of our people were hurt. you got to remember those border agents are, are dressed to, uh, you know, ward off attacks like that, but still got hurt. So uh, when that starts happening, they should be able to, uh, you know, respond in kind. And they use non-lethal Force. I'm surprised they, you know, controlled themselves as well as they did. So, Michael, what are some other things that my listeners should be paying attention to that is not being talked about? Well, again, the key issue here is a lack of interior enforcement. I wrote a major article for a quarterly journal called The Social Contract. I suggest you check out thesocialcontract.com also. I called it Sanctuary Country. And, in fact, the editors and publisher liked my article so much that they decided to make it the theme for the entire uh, fall edition of the social contract. I called it Sanctuary Country, Immigration Failures by Design. Understand that both parties want what we have. And, And here's the reason. Immigration should be law enforcement. In fact, what most people don't know is that the second largest contingent of law enforcement officers who were assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force are immigration agents. And there's a good reason, because every foreigner who comes to America to pursue terrorist operations, whether supporting it directly, indirectly, carrying out attacks, every one of them, one way or another, generally violates multiple provisions of the immigration and nationality laws of the United States. So that's how critical it is. However... On the other side of this uh, is the fact that immigration has become a delivery system. It delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, and not just the illegals who work on construction jobs and do backbreaking, filthy, and dangerous work. No shortage there. But also the high-tech visas that we give out to people from India and elsewhere, displacing American workers, driving down wages, which is the whole point of the exercise. So first of all, it's a delivery system for cheap, exploitable labor. And there's no compassion in exploitation. Number two, an unlimited supply of foreign tourists. Going back to the presidency of Ronald Reagan, we developed a visa waiver program so that aliens wouldn't need visas to come from this country if they come from certain countries. Bad decision. 
And after 9-11, on 9-11, we had 26 visa waiver countries. Today, we have 38. But President Trump is holding the line and not adding any more. There should be zero visa waiver countries, especially after 9-11. Next, foreign students. We admit hundreds of thousands, nearly a half million foreign students every year into the United States to pursue the STEM curriculum, science, technology, engineering, and math. So the universities are thrilled. But look at the insanity there. China sent us 152,000 STEM students last year. We teach them to be engineers and programmers. Then they hack our computers every second of every minute of every hour of every day. We're training the people that are doing this to us. The engineers that we train get the opportunity to work for American companies while they're here. They get, I believe, they're up to two years now, what's known as optional practical training. Frequently, guess who they work for? Military contractors. And what does that do? It enables China to commit acts of espionage. It's so commonplace now that the intelligence community, out of sarcasm, refer to Chinese espionage, believe it or not, as Chinese takeout. Why in the world are we educating our adversaries to build more effective killing machines that they're going to aim at us? This is as stupid and corrupt as it gets. And finally, and this is where almost every politician comes in, it provides an unlimited supply of clients for immigration lawyers, and you can find them on both sides of the political aisle. Bob Goodlatte, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, is a Republican, but when he leaves in January, I am sure he will revert back to his prior career because he is an immigration lawyer. Zoe Lofgren, Democrat, immigration lawyer, right down the line. So when you talk about comprehensive immigration reform, what you're really talking about is an unlimited supply of clients to fill the waiting rooms of immigration attorneys from coast to coast and border to border. That's why you'll never hear anybody say, well, there's too many people with cell phones and driver's licenses to stop people from texting while driving. They, the states are very aggressive about it. They have you convinced that if you're behind the wheel and reach for the cell phone, SWAT will descend on your car. There are many more people with driver's licenses and cell phones than there are illegal aliens in the United States. But yet, when we talk about the number of illegals, immediately both parties agree, oh, we just can't deport them all, we've got to legalize them. Sure. And if we did, we would fill every immigration waiting room across the country. Mm -hmm. And we would also undermine national security because the numbers are so huge that there would be no interviews and no field investigations. So if they claim that they've been here for 20 years, even though they've been here for 20 hours, how in the world would an adjudicator sitting at a desk with no access to the alien or the ability to conduct a field investigation know whether or not they're being lied to? And the answer is they can't. And the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, made it clear that first and foremost, immigration fraud was the key method of entry and embedding, hiding in plain sight for the terrorists. And by the way, the 9-11 Commission specifically made note of false claims for asylum. So you've got the Democrats now apparently not giving a, a, a whiff, not one whiff, about the potential that terrorists could game this whole process enter the United States and kill lots of Americans. They don't care, because if they cared, they wouldn't be inciting the riot. And they are. When you have the governor of New York State, the state that was hammered the worst on 9-11, Governor Andrew Cuomo, and he comes out and says, oh, the immigration agents are thugs. They're thugs? 
He said, you know what? I'm going to investigate them, and I'm going to provide lawyers for these poor immigrants who are being arrested by the ICE agents. Yes, the poor immigrants, like the immigrants who've killed how many Americans in the United States and got deported and came back illegally. But Andrew Cuomo stands with them over ICE agents. Uh, You have Nancy Pelosi going against the president when he referred to the uh, MS-13 gangs as animals. She said, oh, they have the spark of divinity. Well, I began investigating MS-13 25 years ago. They were always violent and vicious, but the numbers were very, very small. Because of Mr. Obama's unaccompanied minor strategy, 40 states across the country are now infested by these people who rape and kill children. They mostly target teenagers. And by the way, we have to make the point, the teenagers who live within the ethnic Latino immigrant communities. Mm -hmm. So this nonsense, well, you're anti-immigrant if you want to go after immigration law enforcement is baloney because the most likely victims of the crimes committed by the transnational criminals, not just from Latin America, you know, human nature is human nature. I've arrested people from every country you could possibly imagine. Um, They are all at risk. Because if you come here as an alien, you're going to live in the community that you're most comfortable with and where it's easiest for you to hide. If you're a white guy in a black neighborhood, you stand out. If you're an Asian guy in a Latino neighborhood, you stand out. So you're going to live in the community where the people are most like you, speak the language you speak, like the food you like, where the young ladies are of the same ethnicity and so forth. So that threatens every ethnic immigrant community. And who is in favor of it? the globalists who don't see America's borders as our first and last line of defense, but rather as an impediment to their wealth. And that's why we have this disaster on the border. And the American people better stand up. Uh, It's bad enough that we voted for people who think that the ICE agents are, are the villains. But let's remember that the Republicans haven't been much better at making certain that we really have integrity to the immigration system. And the lack of integrity of the immigration system really is a reflection of the lack of integrity of our political elite in America today. Michael Cutler is our guest. We're out of time with him. Socialcontract.com, one of the websites you can find him on. Uh, Frontpagemag.com, another. Read his article. My own website. And my, and my own website, of course, which is easiest, is Michael Cutler, one word, C-U-T-L-E-R, michaelcutler.net. I also do my blog talk radio programs Friday night, 7 o'clock East Coast time, the Michael Cutler Hour. But one last point to be made. Folks, if this has you riled up, and you should be, you have to have a flatline EEG to not be riled up. Make certain that you get involved politically. Make certain that your elected representatives hear from you. When we go to restaurants, we're very specific about the food that we want to eat, the way we want it prepared. Folks, we need to be no less specific with people who are paid to represent us. They can't represent us if we don't place our orders. Place your orders frequently, regularly, and clearly. Don't let them uh, intimidate you because they're elected representatives. They work for us. Democracy is not a spectator sport, folks. I got you. Hey, Michael, let me just ask this right off the bat. You available at 2 o'clock next Monday? My goodness, I'll I'll have to talk to you. I'm not really sure. The the phone's been ringing off the hook. In fact, I'll be up early in the morning. I'll be on Fox and Friends first tomorrow. Okay. I'll be on I-24 News tonight. I don't know where I am anymore with all this happening. But I just want you to know how much I appreciate 
that you are willing and looking to provide the information that the mainstream media refuses to provide. And by the way, this isn't about political correctness, folks. This is Orwellian, controlling thought through the control of language since human beings use words to think. If they can control the language, they then control the thoughts. Straight out of George Orwell, and what you're doing is is a tremendous service for your community, guys, and, and for America. An informed electorate is vital to the process. All right, Michael, I'll email you. We'll see if we can't get you set up for next Monday as well. I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Be well. Have a great day. All right, Michael Cutler here on the Dave Ellswick Show. That guy knows so much about this stuff. I don't have to say much. I just ask him a question, and, and I learn as well as I sit here and listen to him just the way you do. He's an amazing guy. I've had lunch. I've had dinner with him in Washington, D.C. He's just really an incredible guest. All right, let's get our final break in this hour. We'll come back. I've got some audio I want to play for you, all of it about illegal immigration. All right, so let's get back to talking specifically what happened along the border this weekend when uh, the border agents uh, used tear gas to disperse the crowd. Uh, You have to understand that about five to to 800 illegals you know bum rush the uh, the border they they blew through the mexican side and then they headed towards our side and as they came through and towards our side they unleashed a, a a barrage of rocks that they were throwing at our border agents and our border agents at that point used non-lethal methods to turn them back. And in this case, it was using tear gas. Now, what about this about women and children as human shields? Well, here's the Border Patrol talking about what happened. Cut one. You said that you arrested mostly men at the border there. The pictures have included women and children. And there are those questioning, again, the use of the tear gas on the women and children. Is is there some barrier in place to the use when women and children, children specifically, uh, might be at risk? So the use of that, those uh, less lethal techniques are, are uh, when the threat is to our personnel or to protect others, you've got to do what you've got to do. What I find unconscionable is that would, people would intentionally take children into this situation. Mm-hmm. What we saw over and over yesterday was that the group, the caravan, as we call them, would push women and children towards the front and then begin basically rocking our agents. So there's different types of uh, tools that we use, different types of CS deployment. Um, we try to target specifically the instigators, specifically the person assaulting the agent. Uh, but as you saw from the video, once that uh, chemical is released, it does go through the air. I was in an area where I actually inhaled quite a bit of it yesterday as well. That's what's going to happen in those situations. All right, so there, there you have your case about as they talked there there were some women and children there's nothing they can do about it and when they unleash uh you know uh tear gas it's just like he said it gets dispersed in the wind it's going to move down uh with the wind and some people are going to get it that they're not trying to to uh, unleash it at and then uh you know what about this this whole story that you keep hearing well, these are just a bunch of poor people that are coming for asylum. Well, they talked about that, too. Cut number three. idea that these were people seeking asylum. 
The caravan, though, the 5,000 to 9,000, depending on which count you believe, that is in Tijuana right now, those are people coming to the border, as far as you know, for asylum, isn't it? I do not believe that is true. I believe there are definitely people in that group that are trying to, that are going to try to claim asylum. Uh, the vast majority of those from the from the what we call the Northern Triangle are economic migrants. Though they do not meet the qualifications mm -hmm. to to get asylum here, they can still apply. That that that's that's a different issue. However, what I saw on the border yesterday was not people walking up to border patrol agents and asking to claim asylum. Uh, matter of fact, one of the groups that I watched, uh, the, one of the groups that actually several of them were arrested, they passed 10 or 15 marked border patrol units walking east to west, or west to east, I'm sorry. Uh, numerous uh, uniformed personnel as they were chanting, uh, waving a Honduran flag, and throwing rocks uh, at the agents. If they were truly asylum seekers, they would have just walked up with their hands up and surrendered, and that did not take place. All right. Pretty simple to understand this stuff when you listen to the people who were there talk about what was occurring. Not a lot of women and children. The ones that were there were human shields. They got uh, hit with some uh, tear gas because when you disperse tear gas, it's not like you can control where the tear gas is going to go. It's going to go where the wind takes it. And as the border agent said, hey, I got even a good you know, shot of it as well. It uh, is going to happen. Uh, and lastly, this whole thing about asylum seekers. Did you understand what he was saying here? It's very simple. If these people come across the, the border and they walk up and they say, I'm a seeking asylum, they're to be taken to a processing center where they fill out paperwork and then they have to wait to find out if they get in. Is their paperwork checked out? Is it vetted and made sure uh, that, uh, you know, what they're saying is true? If not, they're going to be sent back to the, the country that they originated from. What these folks have been doing, think about it. Now, when you bum rush uh, the border, you're not looking to fill out any paperwork. You're wanting just to get into the country and disappear into the people of this country. And then what you heard from Michael Cutler for about 40 minutes before that was how uh, Hezbollah and Hamas have been using all of this. There's testimony in front of Congress itself about it. They have the proof of it that these members are coming over to start sleeper cells right here in our country. Even Schumer understood this a few years back. And wanted uh, these folks to be given, you know, five years in prison if they've been caught here in the United States. You know, the best way to catch them is not to let them in. Then you don't have to worry about catching them. That little ignoramus from New York, I can do without him, to be honest. You know, he's been, he's been in the middle of immigration since he was a congressman. I've told you this before. Maybe you've never heard me explain it. But Schumer's the one who wrote the immigration bill that Reagan went along with. Yeah, little Chucky Schumer. And now who's in it again about writing, you know, DACA and all the rest of it? Little Chucky Schumer. He's up to it in his eyeballs. He's making money off of it. I'll tell you, if there's some real reporters still out there, might they do some investigative reporting and 
show it. All right, a break for us, and then Robert Steinbach joins us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's move into the uh, 3 o'clock hour. Robert Steinbach has joined us today. He'll be with us now until 6 o'clock. Uh, at 5 o'clock, we'll be joined from uh, up in northwest Arkansas by Conduit News as well. They'll talk about their article they published over the weekend dealing uh, with uh, taxes and uh future taxes perhaps and we'll be talking about that saw where um hindren talked about a few things about taxes uh, over the weekend as well it was on the front page of today's paper and uh, we'll get into that later on in the show right now though we want to welcome robert steinbach to the show he of course is a law professor at uh, the bowen school of law his opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect the School of Law or UALR. He was my guest on Thanksgiving, and don't let him fool you. He looks thin and small, but he can pack some food away. He did a good job. I was saving space. I didn't eat the whole week before, just to make sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't believe that either, but uh, you put some food away, dude. Well, it was great food. Dave and his family produced a wonderful meal, and it was really a joy to to be with you guys and to sit down there with your son and your son-in-law and your I talked daughter. about how you yeah. enjoyed the after-dinner conversation. Yeah, you heard about Afghanistan and, and Iran. Iraq. Yeah, exactly. Or Iraq, yeah. not Iran. Well, soon to be Iran, perhaps. But um, uh, yes, exactly. And uh, Dave um, is modest in describing the fact that his he and his family have served this great nation um, in 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 the military in so many wonderful capacities, uh, and the country's better off for it. Hey, by the way, I got a uh, I got a big surprise. Duck uh, sent me a uh, a text over the weekend. Uh, of course, Duck is Duck's Garage, and he's on t- Wednesdays here with uh, Joe from Joe's Garage, and he sends me this text, and it says, "I killed your dog." Uh, I'll talk to you about it later, basically. And I wrote back, you killed my dog. So I don't hear nothing back from him until Saturday late afternoon. He says, deer. That's all he sent me, deer. I killed I killed you a deer is what uh. he's basically <laughs> telling me. And uh, then I get another uh, text from him Sunday. I'll have it for you at 2.30 at Highway 5. So I said, you're talking about the Exxon? And he said, yeah. So I... I met him there, and he had killed a doe for me, so I dropped it off at the buck stops here today. You know how long it's taken to get a deer process? I have all I have my deer. You know, they skin it for me, right? Uh, and then they take the the meat off of the bones, and they they make it into summer sausage or whatever you want. Right, right. I I, I get it all ground up. With, oh, with, no steaks. Yeah, no steaks. Yeah. No, no. Ten percent uh, cow fat in it. Mm-hmm. So it sticks together because if you've eaten venison, you know that it's a, Very a real dry because yeah. it's lean. Right. And uh, I have them put that 10% cow fat and it holds together then. And uh, 14 days. 14 days to process it? Yeah, yeah. two weeks, man. Wow. I mean, wow. I went also and tr- was talking to Tracy today and she says, I'm full, Dave. I'm, I'm still taking it in. You know, right. if you if you want to look, it's one of the best processing places I know. I've been using them for years. Bottom line is that she said it's coming in all. It's coming in on all three entrances That's to her amazing. building. That's amazing. 
And it seems to me that everybody's being lucky this year thus far. Yeah. A lot of people shooting deers. I was standing there with a guy, and I was filling out uh, the one the duck he gave me, and I said, uh, "said uh, you got a you got a, a a a deer?" And he says, "No, my buddy did. You know, he shot himself a, a buck." And I said, uh, "Very big." He goes, "No, but that's all right. He shot himself a buck. He was happy." And I said, well, that's all that matters. They, they got those in the field, and then the rest gets done at the processing plant? Yeah, well, yeah. what you do is you, when you're out in the field, you field dress it, which means that you gut it. Yeah. All right? You get rid of all the guts and all of that. You need to, if you're going to do it, first time you do it, have somebody be with you who's done it before so they can point out things that you don't want to do, like you don't want to clip a, you know, a line where the pea goes or something yeah. like that, and yeah. then you spoil all the meat, basically. Right. And uh, so uh, learn how to do that, but you get rid of all those guts, and typically out in the wild, you just leave it there, and the coyotes and stuff will clean up the mess without right. any problem or to degrade. And uh, then you bring it. I cut mine up into pieces. Mm-hmm. And then um, and, and Duck does it the same way. He put it in a, bell, a big black bag, dropped it in his freezer there at his uh, where he hunts at. It was like a a rock when he handed it to me and uh, i left it outside last uh, last night because it got below freezing all right. night long right and left it out there and took it over to today and then they take it from there and peel the skin off of it and cut all the meat off of it and grind it all up and wow. that 10 percent fat to it and man right. it is good i'm sure Sure. I also have them sprinkle a little sage in it too. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. and a little nice. sage to it. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I I figure uh, that dough is going to give me about forty to forty two pounds. Wow, of uh, ground uh, venison. Now, why no roast or steaks for you? I just I like my venison the way I eat. I don't eat steak very often. Oh, I can't right? afford it. Right, right. Uh, but here so, you have the opportunity. Yeah, I could make a steak, right. right, but I just grind it up because then Linda, all she has to do when she wants to make something, typically it's going to be tacos or it's right. going to be spaghetti or it's going to be lasagna or it's going to be chili or something like that. It lends itself to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, take right. three pounds of venison and right. brown it up real good put it in your in your chili venison chili is oh fantastic i'm sure yeah wonderful i'm sure you know and it's good for you yeah absolutely it really is what is that what's that deer been eating but acorns and right, right. you know greens that's good food for right. you good right. for your body that's right so i'm looking to do my thing for that well it All sounds right. nice it sounds wonderful all right so you, you sent me several articles over the weekend mm-hmm. man it's like Starting Saturday, it was the you – know, you should get a website, and all you do is just publish uh, all the articles that are out there about First Amendment. It's amazing. It never seems to end, does it? It doesn't. And it, it's it's crazy stuff. I, I'd like you to start, if you would, with the one from the IRS, about the IRS. That, you, that came yeah. today. I'm going to have to pull it up. Remind okay. me what uh, – do you remember what it said? I don't even remember okay. what, what exactly so, oh, it was Oh, you know what about. it was? It was – the IRS, uh, uh, we, we recall, of course, that the IRS got in a lot of hot trouble, a lot of trouble uh, for getting, uh, for going after conservative groups. Yes. And now uh, there is some provision written into the rule that says that if you're a charitable group and you speak out in favor of essentially uh, legalizing marijuana, it doesn't use those words. It says a class one or two or schedule one or two drug. And you speak out in favor of it. Not against it, by the way. Yes. Meaning this is viewpoint discrimination 
at its utmost, uh, then they can try to take away or they can take away your tax-exempt status. That's exactly what the First Amendment doesn't allow, right? That is, we've decided that you can say these things, but you can't say these other things because we disagree with those other things. And therefore, if you do it, we're going to punish you. That is exactly contrary to the First Amendment. And that's that's censorship. That's 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 a government telling you that. That is exactly what it is. And one guy uh, on a comment section of an article about that uh, issue writes, well, you're getting the the benefit of tax-exempt status so they can tell you what to do. No. No, they can tell you you must be a tax-exempt organization like a church, right? Those are, uh, churches are tax-exempt. Uh, but are they going to tell you, well, you can say these things in church, but you can't say uh, these other things? They do kind of say that, by the way, uh, when it comes to political involvement. Uh, but that's uh, – I'm not sure I love that idea, by the way, uh, but at least it's – value neutral it doesn't say you can support democrats but you can't support republicans it says you can't support any political candidates so i'm not in love with that i think it is a form of censorship i think it's probably contrary to the intent of the first amendment Uh, but here it's the equivalent of them saying oh you can talk about politics just not the politics that we don't agree with that is exactly what the government should never be doing. I don't need the government minders telling groups what to say and what not to say. And remember, I don't care what they're saying. I don't care if you you think that what they're saying is evil or bad or hateful because somebody else is not going to think that. And people are allowed to think whatever they want to think, including really stupid things. Right? And that's a thing. People say, well, you know, First Amendment's all good and fine, but what about bad things? What about evil things? What about racist things? Yeah, all of those things are terrible, and they're all perfectly protected by the First Amendment. Because let me tell you, folks, if you start carving that out, guess who they're coming after? Now, we conservatives, and I suspect most of your audience falls into that category, knows already that you're all called a bunch of racists. You know why you're called a bunch of racists? Because you don't buy into the liberal dogma. And if you don't buy into the liberal dogma, the left has for years used this huge hammer and saying, oh, you're wrong, you're a racist. And for years, unfortunately, conservatives would cower. And the answer right now is no more, baby. You can't. No more. If you do, it will be gone. That's it. That's it. It will be gone. But look, you go on some of our college campuses here in this in this state, and freedom of speech does not exist any longer. They can punish you for speech. You mean the indoctrination centers? Yes. Right? The Maoist, uh, 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 CHICOM indoctrination centers that we call many of the universities across this country? So please, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, The concern about the First Amendment is that when they start deciding what's good and bad, uh, watch out, you're next. And so we need to tolerate uh, uh, all forms of speech other than those extremely narrow carve-outs that are well-established and uh, much narrower than the left would have you believe. Yeah, let me me just tell you that this portion – of uh, this particular part of the tax code is buried. I mean, unless you're really, really looking for it or like this law professor, 
he finally gets his jollies off of, I guess, laying in bed late at night mm-hmm. after he's gone to bed and reading it, mm-hmm. you would never find it. I'll read part of what he says when we come back. Robert Steinbach is our guest. We're talking First Amendment. We always do the first hour that he's on, then we'll start picking up the topics of the day. But let me just tell you, the First Amendment isn't the First Amendment for no good reason. That's right. You know, if they take away your ability to communicate ideas, That's it. they completely at that point control you. All right. So I hear it. Let's let me read part of this story and then I'm going to let Robert talk about why this is so nefarious. I mean, it's it's buried deep into this rule. The rule does not apply to all speech dealing with the listed substances in their class one substances, oxycodone and things of that nature, and then marijuana, marijuana is one of them as right. well because it's still one. a schedule yeah. one. Uh, only that involving an imp- improvement in business conditions such as legalization or deregulation. As long as you're not trying to legalize it or saying it should be legalized or should be deregulated, you're cool. Efforts to maintain restrictions or impose additional ones are fine by the IRS. This is constitutionally uh, pernicious and it's viewpoint discrimination. As the Supreme Court stated, in Rosenberger versus the University of Virginia in 1995, quote, when the government targets not subject matter, but particular views taken by speakers on a subject, the violation of the First Amendment is all the more blatant. Indeed, right? And that's the point in which we touched upon before the break, which is it's one thing for them to tell you, you're not allowed to talk about politics. And as I said before the break, I'm, I'm not in love with that idea. I think there are issues, uh, constitutional issues, even with that restriction. But when they tell you, oh, you can talk politics if you support Democrats, yeah. or you can talk uh, politics if you oppose legalization, but you can't talk about the opposite, well, then they're telling you specifically what to think and what to say. That's big government, big brother uh, looking down on you. That is, just to be clear, that is a leftist idea. Now, I don't know who brought that about. That may be, that is brought about now, apparently, during the Trump administration. So I don't know if some conservative tried to put that in there out of some false understanding of morality over the morality of the First Amendment. And the First Amendment is a moral issue, let me be clear. Uh, so I don't know who's at fault, but this is in line with leftist ideology, and sometimes uh, non-thinking people on the right fall into line with the leftists. Either way, the whoever did that is to be blamed, and this needs to be undone, because we as conservatives need to be consistent, and we, I believe, for the most part, are, but there are times in which, uh, as a movement, we're not, and if a conservative put this into place, he needs to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, and undo it. There was a great article, I think in the New York Times, it doesn't matter, anyway, the Heritage Foundation, conservative organization, uh, they do training for, for law clerks. Those are people that graduate law school and they go work for generally a year mm-hmm. for uh, lawyer, uh, excuse me, for judges in the federal system as well as state, but uh, we're talking mostly about the federal at the time, and they do certain training, and when they had the training 
previously, they had in the training materials, you're not allowed to share any of this, it's all a big secret, something like that. And that got exposed in New York Times, and they put a halt to it, and then they came out, they reinstituted the program, they did away with those disclaimers, and they said, we're sorry, we wrote that in there, that was wrong, we shouldn't have written it, that was stupid, we shouldn't be telling people not to talk about things and to hide facts, we're just trying to educate, we just didn't want things to get out of hand or whatever, but whatever the reason was, they said, we made a mistake, and we own it, we should not have done that, and we've undone it, and that's what needs to happen here, we don't need government telling us what to think, whether or not you think what they're saying is good or bad, I don't need government telling me what to think, and that's a problem, often with higher education and perhaps indeed lower education across this country, they have become in fair measure indoctrination centers for the left. And they are telling you what to think. And we see it all the time across this country with these stories about what's going on at college campuses right now. All these little delicate daisies saying that they're offended because somebody said something they don't like. And as I said on your show last week, I think it was, that both men and women and whatever other category wants to apply need Needs to grow a pair of whatever they have a pair of and person up because it's enough already. Person, person up, it's enough already. <laughs> so that's probably that's the politically correct way of dealing with with that old uh, uh, instruction. Yeah, right? I guess. I, yeah, you just you included everybody. I included so everybody. I give you credit for that. Men, women, and everybody in between, or to the left or to the right. Okay, so you know I. You know, Robert and I agree wholeheartedly together about this, that you it's not the government's responsibility to tell you how you're supposed to think about any issue. You're supposed to be able to read and think and come up with your own uh, thought process. When we come back and we got news coming up here in just a little over a minute, uh, this was from the New York Times. This is one you sent to me that I, I really uh, was reading and I kind of smiled. Apparent Nazi salute at a high school in a high school photo won't be punished. So we want to talk about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And we've got to talk about that. Personally, I don't think they should be punished. I agreed. Whoa, whoa. Agreed. Wait, what? Whoa, what's Dave wait, what? What'd you what's say? Dave say? Wait, here? wait, well, racist? Wait, wait, yeah. racist? Just well, I just feel like throwing that out at this yeah, point. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I might as well throw it. Throw it out now. Throw an ism Throw an ism right and an ist out right now. We'll get it over Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Yeah, and then you well, we could spend the talk about Antifa, anti, you know, fascist, fascist, yeah, right. which means that they really are fascist. They are fascist. So they are are projecting their belief system that's right, on it. That's right. On the other side. All right. So we'll take a break, and then we'll come back, and uh, Robert and I will uh, talk m- about this some more. Well, I I just know a lot of you went out hunting this weekend, and a lot of you got deer, evidently, because at least at the buck stops here. That place is packed with deers ready to be cut and made into all kinds of different things. They're good, good stuff. That's where I take mine, just so you know. Anyway, we got to get to the news. Let's do that. Find out what's happening. We've got 60 seconds to find out what's going on around the world. We'll do that with our folks from uh, Salem Radio Network. So we'll be back right after that. All right, so I left you thinking about this. Students who made apparent Nazi salute in photo won't be punished. By Christina Carone, I believe this is the New York Times, it is. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Wisconsin students 
who appeared to make a Nazi salute in a widely criticized photo, will not be punished, the school superintendent said this week in a letter to parents. The superintendent, Lori Mueller, of the uh, Baraboo School District, Mm -hmm. said in the letter that the district was not in a position to punish the students for their actions because of their First Amendment rights. As previously stated, we cannot know the intentions in the hearts of those who were involved, Ms. Mueller wrote in the letter. Uh, The district investigated the episode for about 10 days with help from the police. Despite, despite our efforts, we are still unclear about some key details. Uh, the photograph was taken by a parent in May before the uh, high school junior prom and was not commissioned by the school, the letter said. So this was somebody else's picture. That in and of itself should keep the school out of it, personally, I think. The boys in the photograph who were standing outside the Salt County Courthouse in downtown Baraboo were current and former students at the high school. In the photo, photo, many of the students stand with one arm raised, palms down, elbows locked straight in a gesture that looks identical to a Nazi salute. One student in the front row is making the OK sign with his right forefinger and thumb a hand gesture that has been adopted by white nationalists and is often used to troll liberals. The image drew outrage after it was posted on Twitter on November 11th by an anonymous Twitter account. The post said, we even got the black kid to throw it up. Photograph appears to show one black student who is partly obscured. We have worked very, very hard over the last six years to make Baraboo very inviting, very inclusive, said the mayor of Baraboo. Uh, Obviously, some of that has failed based on this picture, so we have some work left to do. Now, number one, that they got the police involved in this, to me, seems absolutely ridiculous. But number two, I think, the superintendent was exactly right. It's a, a First Amendment issue. Those kids have every right in the world if they want to throw the Nazi salute to say to throw it. Does that mean that they believe in Hitler? You make the call. Can you read their mind? I can't. Did they do it as a you know a lark, knowing that people would react just the way they have reacted? That could be a reason too. Who knows? I don't know. I just know this: they have every right to do it. Just well, like the, the Nazis had every right to to walk through, where was it, Skokie? Skokie, Illinois. Yeah, back in the, uh, the, was it 60s or 70s? 70s. 70s. Yeah. Well, Dave, you're right on the money here. I will highlight uh, one point that uh, someone pointed out to me, and that is there was some dispute as to whether this was intended to be a Nazi salute. But for the purposes of this discussion, let's assume it was. And there's certainly evidence, the, the appearance of it supports that. But well, The reason I think yeah. it is that one yeah. student said, we even got a black student to throw it up. Right, right, right. He wasn't no. throwing up lunch, all right? <laughs> right, right. No, I... I fully uh, agree that uh, the conclusion is not an irrational conclusion, that this was indeed a Nazi salute. And let's assume it was, moreover. Uh, And the superintendent says, what do you want from me? I don't like it. 
Yeah, but can't I'm not, do nothing about it. I can't because it's the First Amendment. These are private individuals uh, expressing their views, if they are their views. I just want to—I don't want to uh, give them views that they may not have uh, uh, in a communicative fashion. They're entitled to. And guess what? They're awful views if they are indeed those views. They're uh, reprehensible. They are uh, evil. And they are fully protected by the First Amendment. And indeed, as we've said many times on your show, Dave, the First Amendment is designed to protect those views that are controversial, not those for which there is no opposition. So this superintendent got it right and we should applaud that. I don't. I agree with you. I don't know why it took ten days, including a police investigation, to come to the conclusion that the First Amendment is indeed the First Amendment. That should not be a very hard thing to figure out. No, that should take ten minutes, not ten days. But uh, coming to the right conclusion slowly is better than not coming to the right conclusion at all. And this person came to the right conclusion. So we should applaud uh, the, that. And people might say, wait a second, you're applauding someone who is permitting, quote unquote, a group to give a Nazi salute? And the answer is, that's the point of the First Amendment. And if you can't get your head around that, then you then you don't understand anything about the Constitution. And the irony, by the way, Dave, is I would readily expect leftist uh, um, law professors and administrators that I've seen from across this country, I could envision many of them doing exactly the opposite. And that's what amazes me, is that, that these people who are indeed, I was going to say so-called law professors, they're not so-called. They are law professors, and I could envision them from across schools or from across this country, different law schools, many of them would come to the opposite conclusion and say, well, we've got to control it because it's hate speech, and hate speech isn't speech, even though speech is part of the term hate speech because we couldn't come up with anything better, <laughs> and we don't even understand the First Amendment, even though we claim to be law professors. That's, what, law I, professors. that's what I always yeah. love. It's hate speech. It's not speech, not but speech. it's hate speech. It's hate speech. Exactly. It's like, uh, okay. Yeah, come, come up with another term. Go make something else. It, it reminds up. me, if I may slightly uh, diverge, which is when, uh, I think I told you this, Dave, and I wrote an op-ed in the Dem Gaz uh, fairly recently, maybe a month or two back, where the University of Arkansas Council came to speak before a body on which I serve, a commission regarding the Freedom of Information Act, and they start telling me what the case law is on the Freedom of Information Act. And my response was, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of laws on the books in these great United States, and I've co-authored a book, a treatise, on one of them, just one, and that's the one they sat there and tried to tell me that I was wrong about. And my response was, pick any other law, maybe you'd have a fighting chance. But on the one law on which I wrote the book, I'm afraid you are wrong. And when they said, well, we have a difference of opinion, I said, I agree. Yours is wrong and mine is right. So that goes the same here about the First Amendment. This is clear. This is not controversial to anybody that understands the First Amendment. The First Amendment is designed to permit exactly this kind of behavior. And guess what? If you're offended by this, you'd be even more offended by the Nazis marching in Skokie. And you know who defended those Nazis? A religious Jew uh, um, from 
from Illinois, I believe. Uh, and I've commi- he's a law professor, and he's a genius, uh, and he knows, uh, as we all do for those that work in the First Amendment, that if you don't, if you get to pick and choose what gets protected, nothing gets protected. Well, let's go back to the early days of uh, before we had a republic, and uh, you had a person who was a uh, an integral part of writing uh, the Declaration of Independence and uh, the Constitution for this country. But when he was just a lawyer, he stood up for a group of British soldiers who were, were getting railroaded uh, during what has been you know, called during uh, American history the, the Boston Massacre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he got them exactly. off, basically. Exactly. Because exactly. the law is the law. That's right. That's right. That's, That's exactly. what everybody needs to please get a hold of. It's the exactly law is the law. Now, I have a little problem about determining that law includes every precedent that has ever been issued yeah, no, off of law. That's right. That's right. I think that if you're a judge, you go back to the initial writing of the law, why it was written, what the people were saying and believing at that time, and that's the law. The rest of it, as far as I'm concerned, is nothing more than opinion on different jurists. Yeah, well, there's and there's precedent dating back to Roman law that says essentially that, and that precedent has value, what's known in the law as persuasive value. Yeah, I but, to see that. Right, but it doesn't, it doesn't overcome... Uh, the, the 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 basis, the law itself. I mean, if I want to, you know, I might read the precedent and say, you know what, I didn't look at that that right. that way. Right. That has some validity there. Right. But does it override my belief that the law says what the law says? Right. That's where I've got to make my decision. That's right. That's right. And I think I've mentioned on your show before, Scalia. Uh, um, Undid a bunch of bad precedent when it came to uh, rights of criminal defendants, and this was a pro-criminal defendant right provision that he brought new meaning to or original meaning to, meaning he came out on the side of criminal defendants in terms of their civil rights and their constitutional rights because he said, it's not up to me, it's up to the Constitution, and this is what the Constitution says, so I have to interpret it, uh, the law, consistent with the Constitution, whether or not I like the outcome. And he was right, and he, he isn't given enough credit for doing that because it was what some could argue was a liberal, I put in quotes, a decision in that we tend to think as liberals being more favoring of civil rights, even though these days that's just not true, um, but more uh, in favor of civil rights. But no, Scalia said, this isn't left or right. This is what the Constitution says, and we have... Uh, fumbled this ball for too long, and I'm gonna I'm gonna write it. I'm gonna correct it, and he did. Yeah, and I think that's what you're going to see from Kavanaugh. Yeah, I think yeah. Kavanaugh is that kind of a, a right, justice a jurist, as right. well. Right. All right, let's uh, take a break. We'll come back and finish up our first hour together here with Robert on a Monday. Hope that you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. We've got uh, a few weeks now to kind of start revving up. As we make our way towards, uh, how do we put this? Make our way towards the next big holiday, which is uh, for for us in, in Christendom is uh, Christmas, but in a week is Hanukkah. And uh, don't forget, we'll talk about Hanukkah tomorrow here on the Dave Ellswick Show with the Bible Guys. It's the Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM, 
the answer. All right, so here we are at the end of the uh, 3 o'clock hour. Roman has called us from Garland County, wants to talk to uh, Robert, I'm sure, and uh, talk uh, or talk with us uh, about uh, constitutional law and things of that nature. So, Roman, how are you? I hope that your Thanksgiving was a good one. What's your question or what's your statement? Well, I appreciate what y'all are talking about. Uh, greetings after the day of eating or days of eatings. Uh, code of statutory construction, rule of law versus Code of Arkansas, wherein contains lots of color and of law enabling statutes. So you've talked about rule of law, but how does one phantom that the ALC allows you no access back to the basis of why an enabling statute is even allowed. There's no way for the common guy to get that information. So on the heels of code of statutory construction, and which is the rule of law, code of Arkansas and the color of law, how about a little quick dialogue on some of those uh, terms and what they mean in the time remaining, and I'll hang up and listen. All right. Thank you, Roman. We appreciate your call. That's a man who who has some pretty good questions from time to time. Yeah, well, it, he brought up some interesting topics. I'm not sure I'm going to, uh, that I'm 100% on board and understanding uh, what his specific question is, but I hope I do. So let me let me answer this, or let me say this, and hopefully this addresses Roman's point or maybe raises a, another one that he finds interesting. And that is, too often we've seen, for example, federally, but of course in the state as well, Congress will pass a law giving a huge amount of authority to a regulatory body. Uh, and then they are supposed to make, quote, regulations. Yeah, and we've talked right. about this. Exactly. That, maybe because it takes away the republicanism of our That's right. democracy. That's right. It's basically the legislature shirking their responsibilities that well we'll write a few lines and then we we'll go go have these bureaucrats come up with a bunch of rules i don't want bureaucrats coming up with rules legislators both state and federally got to do their jobs they if they want a law and by the way we should generally be resistant to more and more laws as a overarching notion because laws tend to restrict what we can do now sometimes new laws open up our freedoms so we can't make a blanket statement but generally laws tend to restrict us Mm -hmm. so we should be ever vigilant and cautious about increasing the restrictions on individuals but equally so we should not want at all bureaucrats making these decisions and that's a dangerous movement that has taken place uh, as part of the bureaucratic state and probably brought into place it's a guess now i don't know about my modern american legal history that well but i'm thinking post world war 2 uh but it's it's something we need to push back against and similarly there's this notion in federal law it's really remarkable that after a regulatory body a bureaucrat comes up with a rule and then implements that rule and then you say wait a second that rule is not consistent with the law the very people that created the rule and implement the rule are entitled to deference by the court on what the rule means and whether that rule is consistent with the law. Well, that's just silly. And conservative judges now have been expressing their discontent with that idea 
I, I believe Kavanaugh has written on that, uh, and maybe Gorsuch, Gorsuch right? Yeah. Uh, and so hopefully we're going to see a, a retreat on that notion. Basically, that regulatory bodies, bureaucrats, should not be determining what the law is. The law should be written by the legislature and interpreted by the courts. That simple. So I hope that answers Roman's question because uh, he sounded like he had some good insights. Yeah, that we talked about this here on the show. Yes, uh, several weeks ago, from that new book that deals with defeating the regulatory state, because the regulatory state is an expansion, for the most part, of a president, a governor, a mayor, or whomever, right, to be able to get whatever his agenda into law. As an end around. Look, the, you hear now a lot of people say, well, we hear Trump and others talk about the deep state. We don't know what that means. That's not make-believe. It's scare tactics. I can tell you what the deep state is. Deep state or a bunch of bureaucrats, unelected. That con- stay there forever. That stay there forever. That create or and or impose and or implement rules on you. Mm-hmm. That's what the deep state is. And what we just discussed, how the legislature has abandoned some of its responsibility, I mean this federally, state, in general, conceptually, to turn over some of their authority to these bureaucrats is part of that. And then this deference that the courts have given to the bureaucrats, which hopefully will start to be rolled back, is another example of the deep state. See, what's really scary is when you have let's let's just use the EPA as an example. Sure, you, Congress comes together and they say, you know, we're seeing these laws and we're saying that uh, what the EPA is trying to do is not what we want done, right? Because it's going to have a let's say a detrimental effect on the economy, right? So the the federal lawmakers say, here's our law, blah blah blah, and the EPA then says, you can't do it, right? Right, right, right. Well, well, well look, that just uh, short circuits, you know, the whole idea of a representative of, of government. Course, of course, the, uh, bureaucrats are not elected; they don't represent anybody, and yet they're given such broad authority to effectively create law. They do it under the guise, the claim, the nomenclature of regulation. Regulation is law; it's binding. Yeah, break break one of those regulations. And find out what happens, yeah, exactly. absolutely. That is exactly right. Some farmers have found that out. That's right. When they've gone back and on their land and they got a little pond yeah. or something, they and want they to change And they call it a waterway. Yeah. yeah. It's a waterway. You have a little runoff from, from the uh, sprinkler system or the gutter system, and all of a sudden the EPA wants to call it a waterway and it's regulated. So that, the, the, and that's done by re- regulatory overreach. So I'm not anti-environment. I'm really not. Uh, but what I am is anti-bureaucrat. I don't like I, – I, I think bureaucrats are dangerous because their incentive is to sort of stay under the radar and simply uh, have uh, growth of the regulatory state. And they are nothing more than an extension of the executive. Oh, they are part of the executive. Which makes exactly. the executive more powerful. Much more powerful. Than what 
the founders want it. That's exactly right. That because now you have the legislative branch, which is supposed to be a co-equal branch to the executive, turning over some of the lawmaking, which is what the legislature does, to the executive. So then you get a super executive. And by the way, you know what a super executive effectively is? Is a king, and it's exactly what our Constitution was written to prevent. And then lazy uh, legislators turn over authority to the executive. Because they don't want to be the one that casts the deciding vote. That's right. That's exactly about right. About something that people don't particularly care for, That's right. perhaps. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, and, and for Cortez, the new uh, uh, congresswoman, it's the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. It's not the executive, the House, and the Senate. Well, she since she, she doesn't know what the, which branches there are, um, it doesn't really much matter. You might say to her, you know, that's too big of an executive uh, power growth, and she might say, "What's the executive branch?" Yeah, right. And just uh, she she scares me. She really does. Oh, and Amer- the American voter is starting to scare me. To be honest with well, you, well, I'll tell you this. Uh, 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 Sometimes they do things that we don't like, but better they make those calls than bureaucrats. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I, you're not ever I hear me I know. argue against it. All right, it's uh, 3.59, means we got a minute till news. Let's get a break in. Roman, I hope that we considered the things for you that you were uh, thinking about. We appreciate your call. 8230965, you got a call? You can call in, and you got a question about how the judiciary works? You can call in, Robert, to take it on. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, back after the news. Wow, Robert, sorry, 4 o'clock. It's amazing. Yeah. We're moving along quickly. Uh, if you missed that first hour, it's, what would you have the podcast up in a couple of days there, Russ? All right. Look at Wednesday and make sure you go back and listen to what Michael Cutler had to say about immigration today. Real important. Some stuff that he shared with me today. You'll want to listen to it. Uh, you find that at, uh, you know, 101.1 FM, theanswer.com. That's where you go to. CNN's uh, Romo uh, talked today about the migrant caravan. I want you to listen to the story. This is cut number four, uh, Russ. Listen to this, and I'm going to ask you, uh, Robert, when we come back, tell us what this means to you, and then I'd like you to call in, if you would, at eight. Excuse me, 823-0965. Tell me what this says to you as well. Here we go. Uh, 2012, when the number of Mexican migrants coming to the United States was less than those leaving from the U.S. Uh, the U.S. and going back to Mexico, and what we started seeing back then was Central Americans coming to the United States. So Mexico, from being a source country, now it has become a transit, transit point. point. And what these images show us is that the Mexican government is not prepared to handle the influx of Central Americans who are trying to get to the, to the United States. Mexico has offered them jobs, uh, shelter, food, and they don't want to stay in Mexico. They want to go on to the United States. And uh, we just came across uh, one more piece of information. Uh, About 11,000 of people that at one point or another uh, were part of the caravans have decided voluntarily to ask for the Mexican government's help to return to Central America, Hmm. countries of origins, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua. So the reality is that If you look at the numbers, the majority have decided to go back, but you still have a group of anywhere from five to 10,000 people at the Tijuana border overwhelming the local government. There you go. What's that tell you there, uh, Robert? Look, we've 
we've talked about this many times. The, these people uh, that are uh, currently uh, in Mexico uh, seeking to ru- bum rush the border, by the way, are largely not Mexicans. And so what's the point of that? The point of it is if you've left your country where you claim you need asylum from your government, you're no longer in your country if you're in Mexico. That's right. And yet these people are claiming we need some kind of asylum that not only takes us out of our oppressive governments, but only allows us to live in the United States. And here's the thing, Dave. We cannot absorb every um, immigrant who wants to come to the United States simply for a better life. As I've said many times on your show, I understand exactly what they're doing. What they're doing is largely rational. They want to go to a place in which they will have a better life. And most people of the world would have a better better life in the United States than where they live. There's no question about that. Well, we they'd are, have a better life if they stayed in Mexico than they were than they in, would their, in country their original home countries. Evidently. That's exactly right. So I get it. But just because they want to come in doesn't mean we can or should accept all of them. We have an immigration system. They can apply to become immigrants to this country, but they don't want to apply. That's too slow. They might not be granted after all as well. So they want to come in. They want to bum rush this country and come in. I, I was watching uh, MSNBC uh, this morning and it, it, it's painful. You know, it's like it's like those people that dive into the rivers uh, in December where there's ice, you know, where the polar, polar bear clubs, yeah. right? It's painful at times to watch them. And and as well as CNN, and someone was saying, oh, well, the real problem lies in their home countries, and we need to help those home countries. We have been. Yeah, well, I- indeed, we have been. But we don't need, quote unquote, need to do anything. Oh, we well, don't that's ha- true. We don't have an obligation to go around the world and solve these third world uh, dictatorship often countries problems when we've got enough problems at home. You know what? We could clean up Detroit. We could clean up uh, um, New Orleans. We could clean up uh, um, uh, poor parts of of Arkansas. That's money better spent than spending it overseas. You know why? Because as Donald Trump aptly points out, he's the president of the United States, not the president of the world. And therefore, his obligation is to improve the condition of Americans, not of the world. And these leftists are borderless. They don't care. They say, oh, well, these people are suffering. Agreed. These people want to come into this country. Agreed. These people live in countries that are often corrupt and they have gangs and they have a lot of bad things going on in those countries. Agreed. And therefore, these people should be entitled to just bum rush this country and come in. No. Wrong. No. Good friend of mine uh, called me. She said, oh, it's really upsetting because uh, this family uh, has kids who were born in America. So obviously they're American and the parents are illegal aliens and they're going to be deported. Uh, um, and it's terrible. They're being separated or they're being housed or whatever the, the, the terrible condition was. And I said, and she goes, I can't believe that you agree with all that. And I said, first of all, I didn't say I agree with any of it, but I'll tell you what I do agree with. I said, 
You come up with a solution on how to remove the illegal alien that has been caught, this this particular set of parents. You come up with a solution how to deal with the children. You want the children to go with the with the parents? Fine. You want the children to be put in foster home? Fine. You want the children to be sent to relatives in the States or elsewhere? Fine. The, I give you one exception. And the one exception is you can't say, oh, well, since they had kids in the United States, just let them go and give them a ticket to show up, which they won't do, by the way, for the most part. Uh, and they're free to live in the United States because their reward for breaking the law and coming here and having kids here is get out of jail free card, quite literally. That's the one thing that I won't tolerate. Not that anybody's asking me in an official capacity, of course. And I said, therefore, just give me, tell me what your solution is other than that one thing. Crickets. Crickets. Because the left, and this is a good friend of mine, by the way, because the left believes if you've managed to sneak your way into this country you should be allowed to stay that's it that's it i don't know what that notion is that's lawlessness is what that is can i sneak my way into your house and then stay can i sneak my way into your kitchen and eat the leftover turkey out of your stay? refrigerator? Out of your refrigerator and stay? Can I sneak into your car and drive it around the neighborhood and stay? Not without your permission. Right. But somehow you want to sneak into my home, the United States of America, against the rules and stay. I don't get it, Dave. I just don't get it. As a matter of logic, I don't care if you're on the left or the right. If you don't like the immigration laws and you want uh, open borders... Pass a law. But the left seems to be of the mind that laws don't matter if they don't agree with the laws. That's right. So they only respect those laws that they agree with. Mm-hmm. And all others, those are optional. All right. I've got some sound for you. We play. We started off playing a piece of sound. 11,000 of the people who say that they wanted asylum, and I do air quotes on that, uh, here in the United States, have now asked for Mexico to help them to return back to Guatemala, Honduras, and all the other Central uh, America states because they really weren't seeking asylum. They probably would have been turned away anyway. They're seeking a better-paying job, Yeah, basically, yeah. is what they are. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go back uh, and play some of this. Let, let's start off. Here's the things that you heard over the weekend. You heard... They're firing tear gas on these people that are rushing the border. I want you to listen to this cut. This is Rodney Scott. He's the head Border Patrol agent. We've had him on my show before. Uh, He's been on uh, maybe three or four times. The last time was during Hold Their Feet to the Fire, and we had him on for uh, about 45 minutes. And uh, the, the left media, the real left media, uh, we're going crazy about uh, this whole thing of firing the uh, uh, tear gas and talking about firing it on women and children. Listen to this piece uh, all the way through. I think it's a little over a minute long. See what he has to say. Cut number one. You said that you arrested mostly men at the border there. The pictures have included women and children, and there are those questioning Again, the Listen use to of the his tear gas answer. on 
the women and children? Is, is there some barrier in place to the use when women and children, children specifically, uh, might be at risk? So the use of that, those uh, less lethal techniques are, are uh, when the threat is to our personnel or to protect others, you've got to do what you've got to do. What I find unconscionable is that would, people would intentionally take children into this situation. What we saw over and over yesterday was that the group, the caravan, as we call them, would push women and children towards the front and then begin basically rocking our agents. So there's different types of uh, tools that we use, different types of CS deployment. Um, we try to target specifically the instigators, specifically the person assaulting the agent. Uh, but as you saw from the video, once that uh, chemical is released, it does go through the air. I was in an area where I actually inhaled quite a bit of it yesterday as well. That's what's going to happen in those situations. All right. And you heard what Rodney Scott said. Now, I want you to kind of follow some dots here because you you, many of you haven't been able to listen to the whole show. I had Michael Cutler on earlier today. He said, seeing these people press women and children to the front, as they did, is a particular movement by Hamas and Hezbollah in the Middle East. They put the women and children up, human shields. We saw it under, uh, uh, you know, Hussein. You know, we saw him do his thing. Uh, put people in the front and uh, figure that the other side won't fire on women and children. And that's what Rodney Scott was saying. I find that unconscionable, and I agree with him. But it also should tell us that there's other people behind all of this that we better be paying attention to because they're trying to get their own people into this country. Well, here's the thing, Dave. Uh, the left keeps telling us it's not an invasion. Now they're bum-rushing the border. Now they're using human shields. Now they're throwing rocks. When does it become an invasion? To be clear, it's not an invasion that's going to overthrow the government, but that's not the definition of invasion. But, but if it gets sleeper agents in the United States and they start killing Americans, it's on our government. Of course it's on them. Oh, I'm not saying it's not on them. The government has the... The singular responsibility of defending our border. That's correct. And what's remarkable, by the way, is the left is saying, wait a second, you're putting the military on the border? Where would you where would you put the military? Every other country in this world has military that on funny? their borders. So they finally have come out, the military has come out and said, in every civilized nation an uncivilized nation for that matter, where they have their military is typically on their border. Exactly. Exactly. Because if, the you, only if country, you can't yeah. stop it at your border, you're Forget in about it. bad shape. We're the only country. We're sending our troops overseas, and we're not keeping them on our border. And then the left says it's controversial to have the military on the border. That's where they belong, defending the homeland. Was the military in Hawaii when we were attacked by the Japanese not allowed to defend uh, Hawaii? I mean, it's just such utter nonsense. Of course. That's, and by the way, uh, you did see that the military isn't carrying uh, or not all of them are carrying firearms. That's right. I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan okay? of that either. The military 
They have a job to do, and that includes carrying firearms. Uh, either you send them, because I remember Beirut, when we sent a bunch of Marines to Beirut without arms, and then they got blown up. Mm-hmm. So the military is a military force. That means they have firearms and other equipment. So I'm not a huge fan of this. And, and I'm, I'm cautious and I'm concerned that something dangerous may happen by, by the fact that they're not armed. All right. Got to get a break in. Phone number is 823 If you want to get in the conversation, feel free. But uh, a lot of things happened this weekend that I believe defines uh, all the important arguments uh, dealing with illegal immigrants standing at our border at the crossroads. 11,000 ready to go back home tells me they are not asylum seekers. Uh, that they bum rush the border, throwing bricks, using uh, Mideastern tactics, uh, you know, for this by putting women and children up front as human shields tells me a lot as well. And uh, we'll just uh, come back, and I got. I want to talk a little bit more about the asylum seekers, and uh, talk about the forty-two that got across the border. They got across, but they got arrested. They're going back home. Good, you know, hard Good. way. Good. All right, let's talk uh, a little bit about Hortons. Uh, Hortons uh, is just about done. Last time I talked to Becca over there, who is my my contact about. All good things happening with Hortons uh, told me that they were told that they had about two more weeks of work uh, on uh, their uh, rehab of their 12th Street location here uh, in Little Rock. That's the first location, by the way, of Hortons. It was opened back up in the mid 80s and uh, now is being completely revamped so that it's going to be a state of the art facility. And for you ladies who have had. Uh, you know, breast surgery, had breast removed because you had cancer, breast cancer, or the doctor has told you your chances of having breast cancer are very high, uh, and then you need a prosthetic for that, they have a special area for you. It's not antiseptic. It's not like a doctor's office. You know, nice chairs, uh, got a very kind of low-tension kind of of a place to sit back and talk to the the professionals there that can help you and you can try things on and uh, do this in privacy and comfort. They also have the new gate room where the doctors get down low enough. There's literally a trench that the doctors get into so that you walk past them with a prosthetic and they can see if it's uh, affected your, your walk, your gait at all. All of these are things that are going on over at Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics uh, right now, plus that whole new big waiting room they've got. Because Horton's prides themselves on their relationships with their patients. They also, uh, you know, pride themselves on giving you a lifetime of support. Remember that Horton's has six locations with the new updated facility in Little Rock. They also have North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith and Searcy. That's Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. All right, eight two three zero nine six five. Let's bring you up to again what all went down on the border over the weekend. One, the people who were there, about uh, eight hundred of them, bum rushed the border. They busted through the Mexican border and then uh, came on to, to run into the United States 
across the American uh, border crossing, and our border patrol turned them back. Uh, I just played a piece from uh, Rodney Scott, who's the head border patrol agent uh, in the San Diego district, talking about uh, the whole thing about uh, you know women and children. I, you, I, let me play this guy's question one more time, and then I'll stop it. Listen to the way the reporter asked this question. He's trying to set Rodney up. You got to listen to this. Let's play cut one one more time, Russ. You said that you arrested mostly men at the border there. The pictures have included women and children, and there are those questioning, again, the use of the tear gas on the women and children. All right, stop it. Stop it there. That's all I need. All right, here you go. You said you arrested mostly men, mostly men. But pictures have shown. My goodness. There were some women and children there. And uh, you guys use tear gas still. Here's my question, because I, I wouldn't be as politically correct as Rodney is. I give Rodney all the credit in the world. He knows how to say this kind of Orwellian speech stuff uh, a whole lot better than I have. All right, don't forget about uh, applied research. They still got plenty of studies they're doing exploring the safety and effectiveness of investigational drugs. What these drugs are, are drugs that are ready to be okayed, to be prescribed to you either by a doctor or to go over the counter. And uh, they need you to be a person, and I'm going to be one. Uh, I'm going to be in the low testosterone study. I got uh, notification of it the other day. I got to get a hold of applied research and, and talk to them about when I have to go in and get some blood work done and things of that nature. But I meet all of the uh, requirements to qualify for the study. Now, the study means that you're going to get the drug or you're going to get the placebo. You'll get one or the other. They're going to, you know, I'm hoping to get the drug. I want to see if I can raise my testosterone level up a little bit. And for this one, you had to be 45 to 80. Uh, You had to be male. So far, so good. Uh, with low testosterone, uh, three, three, I'm, I'm in on three, and uh, at risk for cardiovascular disease or events. Well, since I had a quintuple bypass operation, I, I, I clear that one, okay? So I was in on all of them, and so they've uh, contacted me and asked me to take part, and I am going to plus, and this was a, just a, an, an additional big-time plus, Dr. Deanna, from Arkansas Urology is the uh, doctor that does this study, and he just so happens to be my urologist. So I'm all about this. So I'm going to be doing it. Now, you're not taking a drug that there's no test been run on it. This is the last hurdle, so to speak. And with that said, you don't have to be worried that you're going to take the test, uh, take the drug, and suddenly, you know, start having major seizures and die. I mean, that's just... <laughs> that should not happen. Very, you know, very rare kind of thing. Plus, they're going to pay you for, you know, taking the drug or taking the placebo. Doesn't matter which one. Bottom line, as long as you're part of the study, you make some money off of it. What you need to do to see if you can get in on it is go to arcarkansas.com. Arcarkansas.com. Drop down menus on every one of these tests. Shows you all the things you got to do. To be able to qualify, if you qualify, fill out the necessary, you know, little, uh, you know, things and, you know, your name and, you know, date of birth and all that kind of stuff. 
and go from there. Or you can give them a call, 501-954-7822. All right, so we've been talking about what's been going on at the uh, at the border. And it's been really kind of um, interesting to listen to the left of, of this. First of all, they're against firing the tear gas. Uh, they forget that Obama fired pepper balls at uh, uh, illegal immigrants back, and I do believe it was 2013 uh, that it happened. And let me tell you what, you get hit by a pepper ball, uh, what happens afterwards is much worse, I believe, than going through uh, what you would do for tear gas. And I know about tear gas. I, I've been in the, the chamber in the military where you go in with your your mask on and at the very end to get out you got to take off your mask and then you have to exit you got to walk out and it takes several uh it takes some time they make you stand there for a while they make sure you start breathing it and you get out and you know snot's running out of your nose your your eyes are sitting there and tearing really bad you're coughing it's 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 not a fun experience uh, but those pepper balls, they'll literally knock you out. I mean, not from the force of the pepper ball hitting you, but when that pepper, I mean, that, can you imagine getting that, that stuff like the spray, just spray you right in the face, not just hit you a little bit. I mean, give you a full dose, it's not, it's not fun. So anyway, that's been going on for several years now. It's a non-lethal way of dealing. I mean, they could have shot them. They could have shot them. They were throwing rocks at them. As you point out, Dave, law enforcement and military, when they use the pepper spray and the whatever, that, that material, yeah. they all train on it, meaning they have to be exposed to it before they're they even allowed to use it. They know what it's going to do to people. Exactly. Personally. Firsthand. Yep. So, uh, that, I mean, Rodney says in that segment, you know, I even got hit sure. with that stuff because sure. once, once once uh that gets up and it disperses into the atmosphere it's going to blow around exactly and it don't take much to make your eyes burn i'll oh, just yeah. tell you that oh, yeah all right so what about asylum seekers and one mm. last thing this i want you to listen with rodney scott again he's the head border patrol agent there in san diego here's what he had to say about asylum seekers and this is cut number three idea that these were people seeking asylum the caravan, though, the 5,000 to 9,000, depending on which count you believe, that is in Tijuana right now, those are people coming to the border, as far as you know, for asylum, isn't it? I do not believe that is true. I believe there are definitely people in that group that are trying to, that are going to try to claim asylum. Uh, the vast majority of those from, the, from the, what we call the Northern Triangle are economic migrants, though. They do not meet the qualifications mm-hmm. to, to get asylum here. They can still apply. That, that, that's, that's a different issue. However, what I saw on the border yesterday was not people walking up to Border Patrol agents and asking to claim asylum. Uh, matter of fact, one of the groups that I watched, uh, the, one of the groups that actually several of them were arrested, they passed 10 or 15 marked Border Patrol units walking east to west, or west to east, I'm sorry. Uh, numerous uh, uniform personnel as they were chanting, uh, waving a Honduran flag, and throwing rocks uh, at the agents. If they were truly asylum seekers, they would have just walked up with their hands up and surrendered, and that did not take place. There you go. I like how Rodney answers this guy. I mean, I'm basically just comes right back at him. Uh, you know, they're asylum seekers. Uh, I don't buy that. 
<laughs> and here's why I don't buy it. And he, and he sets up what happened. You know, there are a few countries in the world, uh, very small, wealthy countries like Monaco, maybe even Saudi Arabia, some of these other kingdoms that are tiny countries with some huge amount of wealth, often related to oil or other natural uh, resources. And they don't let people come in and claim citizenship. Could you, I, you know what? I'd like to fly over to Monaco next week and I'll claim dual citizenship because I think they give every one of their citizens a check at the end of every year. Uh, if you're a citizen of Saudi Arabia, you get money. Now, they have a lot of people in Saudi Arabia that, that are not citizens uh, because they, they bring in workers from other countries. That's right. But they don't allow them to become citizens. Nope. But, but you know, if this is the rule that the left is setting up here, uh, let's have that rule uh, around the world. Hey, let's just have it in the United States. If I don't live in Alaska, I don't get a check right. from, about oil from them. Exactly. Exactly. Why can't I want? I want. I want. I want Alaska check. Why don't I get Alaska check? So it's just this insane notion that because someone wants to come to the United States, therefore they're entitled to come to the United States. I told you. I started to tell you earlier that I heard on MSNBC and or CNN this morning. I, I confuse them. They blend together at this point, where they're saying, "Well, these people are living in bad conditions in Honduras and elsewhere, and we need to go fix it down there for them and allow them in." No, no we don't. We don't need to do either one of those. I've got no problem if you want to think about ways to resolve uh, those problems in those countries. Uh, but we cannot be the savior to everybody in the world. We can't be the banker to everybody in the world. No. We can't underwrite all improvements across the globe. And the number one priority of our government should be Americans. And I, the notion that this is even controversial is remarkable to me. I mean, you even look in the Bible, it says that you should be taking care of your family first. Well, this is our family. This is our national family. And we need to take care of our family before we take care of those in foreign countries. This well, is. If right? you don't take care of your family, you know better than a pagan. That's well, what the Bible says. Right. And, and, and moreover, then in the, in the long run, there will be nothing available to you. To take care of others. That's right. So it's it's actually a very short-sighted policy. But that's what the left does. They're all about short-sighted policies. Hey, socialism is all about bringing everybody down to where they hate life. Well, socialism is all about the claim that you can continue to spend money that you don't have and everybody will be happy. But, of course, as we've seen and history has demonstrated, you run out of money. Yeah. It doesn't work. It's make-believe. When you, I'm not the first to come up with this obvious notion that when the government tells you something's free, it ain't free. You may not have to pay for it right now, but somebody's paying for it, and it may be you, by the way. Yeah, right now, a lot of it is our grandkids, and right. we should be ashamed of That's ourselves. Right. That's exactly Just right. Just That's saying. exactly right. What it is. All right, so we're sitting here at about uh, 16 minutes till five. Let's let's have a little discussion before we take our final break about. Chief Justice Roberts. Yes. The president yes. took out took off after the Ninth Circus Court of Appeals out in, in, in California. Right. right. And rightly so. It, it 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 seems ridiculous to me that any federal court can put a stop on any 
law, put an injunction on it, and stop it for the whole United States. That shouldn't be able to happen. That needs to be rethought. And I think that's what the president was kind of saying. Uh, because these these lawyers and people cherry pick where they're going to take their laws to that they want to go challenge. against yeah. to challenge them because they know certain places are more liberal or more conservative than other areas. I'm not going to say that the right doesn't do it, too, because they do at times. Yes. You know, so yes. the bottom line is the bottom line of all of this is that Roberts was upset because, you know, Trump called him out about it. Yeah, well, look, the, the, there are three levels of judges, right, in the federal system. Trial judge, there's an intermediate appeals level in California and surround, nearly surrounding areas. Uh, it's the Ninth Circuit. We happen to live in the Eighth Circuit. Uh, Thank there, God. Yeah, uh, which is, <laughs> which is the, the most conservative circuit, by the way, yep. in terms of the judges. And then, of course, the Supreme Court is the final say, but the Supreme Court only doesn't have to take any case they that's the only level that they decide whether your case goes all the way up and if it doesn't then the decision of that intermediate court the ninth circuit the eighth circuit whatever circuit it is uh is the final decision so it still has a lot of power because the supreme court hears i think fewer than 150 cases a year and there are tens of thousands of cases every year so this judge was appointed by obama and he ruled against the president, and he did what's known as a nationwide injunction. So there are two issues at hand here. So the first thing is Trump says that's a that's an Obama judge. And Robert says in kind of uh, make-believe um, Alice in Wonderland uh, uh, attitude, well, there's no such thing as a Trump or a Bush or whatever judge or uh, 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 what I say, Obama, whichever name I left out, right? Um, they're just federal judges. Nonsense. Shinola. Yeah, it is. Right? Because Absolutely. Uh, more and more judges are imbuing their political thought into their decision making. I believe that judges on the left do that more than judges on the right because – and you to say, well, that's because you're a conservative. No, because conservatives say we stick to the language of the constitution you know what liberals say you know what leftists say they say it's a living document and we're supposed to we can make it whichever way we want right we're supposed to imbue it with our own ideals Mm -hmm. well that's why i aptly point out that their interpretation is more prone to political viewpoint bias so when trump says this is an obama judge uh, on the first level He's absolutely right. This guy was appointed by Obama. On the second level, he's absolutely right. His attitude to- towards interpreting the Constitution and interpreting the law is reflective of his Obama-like political bias. So on both levels, Trump is right. And I'm really just tired of these ivory tower judges sitting back like Roberts and saying, well, we're all above it. We're all above being biased or having any influence. And we all do exactly the right thing all the time. And we don't have a political thought in, in our brain. In our heads, exactly. Nonsense. Moreover, if that were true, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, we wouldn't need a Supreme Court. The trial judges would get it all right all the time. 
The fact is, you've reversed the Ninth Circuit. You and your your brethren, which includes women, uh, have reversed the Ninth Circuit more than you reversed all of the other circuits. Perhaps not all of the others combined, I'm not sure, but certainly all (laughs) of the other circuits. So don't tell me that there's no such thing as a leftist judge or an Obama judge when the ones that happen to be leftists get reversed by you, a conservative, more so than the conservative judges, i.e. the Bush judges, the Reagan judges, if there are still any Nixon judges. So it's just... It's make-believe, it's rainbows, it's, and you know, this is the stuff I usually accuse the left of, but this is an example where I will say, on the record, this is nonsense. There are leftist judges, and there are conservative judges, and I think the leftists more so imbue their decisions with with politics, but sometimes conservatives do as well. So, So Trump pointing that out is completely accurate. Secondly... The notion of a nationwide injunction. It's actually a very controversial notion. Right now... I think it should be. Yeah, indeed, it should be. And I've discussed this with with several federal judges, in fact. And it's never been decided by the Supreme Court. At least one Supreme Court justice has already commented that if this continues, it should be reviewed by the Supreme Court. And I am highly skeptical of uh, of nationwide injunctions. And mind you... Some of them are good, meaning in terms of the politics. You remember that in in Dallas, uh, a district judge who I know put a nationwide injunction stopping basically, you know, the, sh- the when Obama said, "Hey, the showers and the bathrooms and That's everything, right. it's all the same, doesn't much matter. Hey, everybody, go enjoy." Uh, and and the judge in uh, Dallas, um, Reed O'Connor, said, uh, "No, it doesn't say that." And he put in place a nationwide injunction. Why? Because so far those are legal. But I think that those will ultimately be determined or uh, not to be uh, as available as they have been so far. All right. We got to get a break in. Let's do that. We'll come back, finish up this hour. Next hour, Conduit News will join us. We're going to talk about an article they wrote about uh, future taxes and uh, talk about what they had. And then uh, uh, State Senator Hendren had some thoughts that I think that we should all review as well i've gotten our okay russ so you'll know from the secretary of state's office we are good to go for covering the uh the 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 session as it begins on january 14th we'll be there monday through thursday during the beginning of the session and then as we get to the end of the session we'll be there all five days you only get that from the uh, station that deals with issues in a way that you can understand them 101.1 101.1 FM, the answer. All right. No more rain uh, until evidently Friday is what they're saying, which is not a bad thing. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, a little bit more uh, uh, dry weather lets me uh, mow the grass one more time before winter really sets in. By the way, I will give kudos to Mother Nature for all of the wind over the weekend because it blew all of the leaves on the front yard. I raked the leaves I mean, into a big pile. Gone. And now they're all over again. No. I raked them up. Well, the way my house sits up on the top of that ridge, it literally moves the, the leaves from the front yard to the side of the house. Now, there was a bunch of them right up against the garage door. I had to get out and kind of sweep them up a little bit. But it sure was easier to do it that That's way funny. than it is to get down there and That's mow funny. the front lawn. Because I've got the, the you know, the... Uh, that that plug in it that lets it 
just cut them all up into yeah, mulch pieces. Yeah. yeah, mulch them all up. Yeah, so that that's a good thing. We didn't have that last year. I had to get out and rake them. That was not fun. Blisters on my fingers, and it wasn't helter skelter either. All right, that was a little cultural reference, and maybe you got it, and maybe you didn't, but that's okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's go back and and take yeah. the, the look at this of what Roberts is saying. Yeah, if what he if he be- actually believes this, because I don't believe he does, right. but if he actually believes that of what he's saying, then he's flying in the face of every news story whenever it comes time for a president to make to a, appoint a judge and appoint a, a federal judge to the Supreme Court. Yeah, well, that's... Do I need to say Gorsuch and Kavanaugh? That might be why he said it, in fact. He might have said it because he wants to protect uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh from future uh, um, claims by the left that Gorsuch and Kavanaugh are partisan. So I think it could be that he's setting up the defense. Well, you can that, say that about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Indeed. Of I course mean, she's can. partisan. Of course she is. Uh, so this is the thing. So if um, uh, w- one could give him more credit or doesn't make his statement any more accurate. But if he comes out essentially defending this judge who was an Obama appointee and saying he's not an Obama judge, he's just a judge, then when people complain about some decisions of the Supreme Court that have been authored or supported by Kavanaugh and um, Gorsuch, uh, and they say, oh, they're politicos, uh, Roberts can come out and say, as I've said, None of these people are politicos. They are not Trump judges the way the other one wasn't an Obama judge. So he may have a slightly more uh, sophisticated reason for why he said he Robert said what he said. His statement remains inaccurate. Yes. But there may be a slightly more mm, creative reason for its uh, uh, use. Okay. Ready to talk about taxes next hour? I'm always ready to talk yeah, about taxes. Ready to talk about taxes. And you want to talk about State Senator Hendren saying that we got to mess around with the school funding? Well, if it, if it results in increased taxes, I'm not for it. Okay, well, it's <laughs> definitely going to do that. We'll yeah. talk about it. And Conduit News will be with us to have the discussion. That's all coming up after the news, which comes up next. All right, back with you. Last hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, we've got uh, our... Our buddies from uh, Conduit News with us today. Joe is here, and uh, Brenda is is here from up in Northwest uh, Arkansas. Robert's still here, guys. How are you doing? Did you have a Did you have a good uh, Thanksgiving? I had a great Thanksgiving. Thank you. How about you, uh, Joe? Did they make enough food for you? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best part was that it wasn't at my house for the first time in a decade. Oh, really? Where did Where did yeah, you Where great. did you go? I went to my friend's house. Where is that? Here in Arkansas? Yeah, yeah, just across town. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. That's always a good thing when you can get out of having everybody. We had 17 at my house, and it's not made for 17, but we may do, you know? Oh, it was just We fine. had 17 at my house, Dave. Did you? Must be a lucky number. It is a lucky number. I'm, I'm lucky all of them didn't come. If my whole family comes, <laughs> we end up with... We end up with like thirty-two, and that would have been just a, that would have been a nightmare. Just to be honest with you, all right. I want today to talk about an article that came out on November twenty-third from you all. Uh, it is called "Tax Cuts Switcheroo." Arkansas wants more 
not less. I'd like to talk about this. And also, I want to talk about a story today in the uh, on the front page of the Demgaz. Method of funding schools scrutinized aims for money unmet, legislators say. And uh, I want to tell you what, this one kind of made my blood run cold. And it looks like uh, Senator Hendren... Uh, is all about this, so we, we're going to have to talk about this some. But let's start off with your all's article. By the way, for our listeners, conduitnews.com is the website you go to. Uh, you'll also hear the Conduit articles talked about extensively as well on the Paul Harrell Show, which you hear Monday through Friday right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer, from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., All right, so let's read this. The good news. Here's the the first part of the article. The big promise that dominated this year's campaigns is an Arkansas income tax cut. The plan would phase in a reduction in the top marginal income tax rate from 6.9% to 6.3% over two years and would increase standard deductions. How much relief would it bring for Arkansas taxpayers? Over a two-year period... It is claimed it will save taxpayers $111 million. Later, over four years, the rate would decrease to 5.9%. So I've heard this a lot from uh, J.R. Davis, the spokesman from the governor's office. He's on my show, as you all know, on Thursday, and he talks about this. And that's the good news. But you went into this and said, well... Where there's good, there's typically a flip side to the coin, which would say there's some bad news. So I'll, I'll let whichever one of you want to pick up and explain the bad news. Well, the bad news is how much they're going to increase taxes in the same uh, session. And we know they tried to pass the Internet sales tax last uh, session, did not pass. And uh, so they're going to try it again. They also tried to add a a gas tax, which included a bond issuance, and put that on the ballot for the people to vote on. And if it's the same bill, uh, it will not mention that it's a tax increase. It will only show show that it's a bond issuance for highways. But when you add those together, and just looking at two years, which is what this article does, you're looking at a, a net $300 and almost $20 million tax increase over that two-year period rather than a $111 million tax cut. Okay, so the bottom line is uh, that's $209 more in taxes, basically, 210 uh, versus uh, reduction. So you're you're looking at about twice as much tax increase as reduction. Correct. A hundred and eleven million cut and uh, netted out against the increase, and you're looking at a net increase of three hundred twenty million. Oh, three hundred and twenty million. So th- almost yeah. uh, three to one. You know, it's it's really remarkable. Uh, you hear it all the time. Well, we, we need to do this. We need to do that. First of all, this word need. We really we need, if I dare say, <laughs> to have a discussion about the word need. There are a lot of things that in an ideal world with rainbows and unicorns we would do. But we cannot do everything. And I am fully confident that 
the general Arkansan, including me, including you all, including Dave, pays too much in taxes. So my bottom line is, and I know Conduit uh, agrees with this, my bottom line is you guys in the legislature and in the executive branch, you do whatever you want to do and we'll tell you whether we like it or not. But here's one thing we'll tell you up front. We ain't paying any more for it. Now, that doesn't mean they can't raise our taxes and we will pay more, but we'll vote them out. And we'll continue to vote them out until they stop raising our taxes. You know, uh, the lieutenant governor, Tim uh, Griffin, um, uh, he sent back money to the to the fisc, uh, to the Treasury. He didn't spend his whole budget because he said he's going to lead by example. I would like to see more of that happening. Um, I have to correct something, Dave. I'm, I'm very sorry. I, I oh, okay. made it confusing. I did not add in the, um, the gas and diesel tax addition. I just added in the half a cent sales uh, half a cent sales tax that the governor is proposing that we uh, continue rather than let it sunset, as promised in that 2012. Uh, bill that, that that was voted on and passed for highways. So if we keep that half a cent sales tax, that means that we're paying $320 million more in two years. But if the uh, gas and diesel tax uh, proposal is passed, that's a net tax increase of over $750 million in two years. It's, un- it's unconscionable. And, 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 and here's what would be interesting about it. They will tell you that if you keep the tax... It's not, it's not a, a tax. tax. Yeah, it's it, not it, a tax. Suddenly, it, beca- it becomes it's not a tax anymore. Have you ever Don't seen, you love that, Joe? And have you ever seen a tax with a sunset provision that the sunset provision was actually put into place? There you go. I, you know? I agree. What do you think, Joe? Well, I think all you have to do to be successful in Arkansas today in politics is just say all the right words. Because that's all people evidently hear. You know, uh, our governor said, you know, income tax cut. He's always real specific when he's, he doesn't talk about tax cuts. He talks about income tax cuts. But people, all they hear is tax cut. And then you can say streamline. And then you can say highways, <laughs> teacher raises, insure the uninsured. You know, and, you know, you, all you have to do is say these words, you know, protect the brick and mortar stores. Uh, pay your fair share. I mean, just say all those words, and everybody's happy. Eventually, you got to say the right word for each group, and they all give you sixty-five percent of their support. And you get a tax cut. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, you just got to say the words because people do not listen, and they don't pay. They don't remember, and a lot of them don't add well. Well, but well, it's, it's too hard to listen when people are lying to you. Yeah, and and you uh, know, I, I don't want to dis. You know, not well, tell you. Not tell you the entire truth. Let me, let me half of the sentence. But and one other term I would like for people to get really comfortable with out there is when when you talk about bonds, they always talk about bonds. Well, to most people, that's well, it's some financial tool to get money. It's a tax. Well, what yeah. what bonds is is a future tax. That's exactly right. It's got to well, be paid you know, back. Stop saying bonds and say future tax, but they won't. Tax increase. That's what the future tax increase. That's exactly but, what it but is. But to me, I, I, I'd ask one of the legislators oh, a few months ago, I said, you know, what, what's your goal? And, uh, and he said, well, lower taxes and, and uh, reduce the size of government. You know, maybe that's what he thought I wanted to hear. I said, well, how do you, say, how do you measure government being reduced? Well, if, if they only spend 
money each year that's equal to or greater than last year plus inflation <laughs> or the cost of living increase or whatever. And I said, well, how is that ever going to make government smaller? And besides that, it doesn't really make a lot of sense because if government's goal is to solve any problem, I mean, you name the problem, evidently they never solve any problems or they would need less money each year. Exactly. Well, the bureaucrats uh, never want to find a solution that puts them out of work. And, and, and government is like any organism. It wants to grow. And so you have to be cautious in feeding government. And this notion that we can just continually be taxed and taxed is unsustainable. Uh, and we are already paying too much of our money in taxation. <coughs> Excuse me. And we need to come to the realization that not every goal can be achieved through government intervention. And that's a tragedy. That Look, uh, and also I, I, your point about how the, when they talk about tax cuts, they often are very specific in their language. Uh, I agree. And that's a problem on the left and the right, by the way. When President Bush exactly. uh, right, uh, cut income taxes, he didn't cut payroll taxes. You know what? That wasn't right because you have people on the low income side who aren't paying income taxes, but they are paying significant payroll taxes. That is FICA, right? Social Security and Medicare. And so their taxes don't get changed. And the claim is, well, they're making use of those services. Well, we're making use allegedly of all the services for which our tax dollars go. I'm not making use of the other services. So it's it's really disingenuous. If you're going to cut taxes... Cut taxes, cut taxes and cut them across the board and stop increasing them, particularly as Conduit points out very well, the hidden taxes, these ta- these gas taxes, which is a middle class tax increase, by the way. That's who it impacts. And these are secret taxes because you don't see them every day because they don't break them down on the side of the gas pump to tell you that it's a new increased tax. And that's not fair. Well, something we really got to watch for is instead of a uh, a defined amount per gallon of tax, they put it as a percentage. Now that's gonna that's gonna open up a floodgate of yeah. tax revenue for them, and that's what they want to do. Which that's goes worse. up by the rate of inflation each year. Now, how much? I, I have a question for you, Robert and yeah. Dave. How much by a dollar number has highway spending gone down? Because I keep hearing how they don't have enough money. You know, how much has it gone down over the last year or five years? I don't. I don't believe it has gone down. To be honest, it would surprise me too. I think the price of building highways has gone up, but the amount of money we've spent has not gone down. Is that an adequate explanation? Well, no. I would. I would say that, and we'll and we'll dig more into this as needed. But I would say that the, obviously the, the price of labor has gone up, just like everything okay. else. Okay. Okay. I, I would also submit that the price of asphalt follows the price of oil. Yep. Mm-hmm. It should have come down here recently. My gas has gone down. I mean, I'm all excited to go back up to Cabot today because I'm hoping that we're going to be very close to two dollars a gallon. We're only a couple of cents above that right now. I mean, we were looking at $4 a gallon kind of prices back in 2012 or yep. whatever, you know, when prices were so high and they promised, oh, if you'll just let us put this on the ballot, if you'll pass it, we'll, and, and we're just going to do away with it. We just need to fix these roads. And, you know, suddenly they want to tell us there's no money for highways. Uh, I want to see the numbers. If there, if there is no money and it's gone down, why are they not telling us how much they've lost? Well, that, that doesn't serve the purpose. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in 
building good highways. I, I think that's a great thing. But there's a limit in, in what a state should and could do and focus on where the traffic is, which is another whole subject. Oh, boy. If they build, you know, these great big four-lane roads and, and expansive bridges in parts of the country that have very little traffic and serve no purpose, some some future purpose they hope. Or pay for the highways with the product that uses the highways. Well, but you got to understand exactly. that the people who are living by a system that was set up a millennial ago, it seems like, of how to determine how much money goes to the, the different districts uh, here in the state of Arkansas, they all live by the field of dreams uh, philosophy. If you build it, they will come. And guess what? Not necessarily true. Let's take a quick break. We've got to get a break in, and uh, we'll come back. We've got Joe, we've got Brenda, Conduit uh, News, conduitnews.com is their website. Go read this article that we're talking about right now and uh, get yourself ready to understand what's going to be happening uh, starting uh, January 14th. Don't forget, we'll be there Monday through Thursday every day uh, of the the session. Now, we're not there on Friday at the beginning because they don't do anything on Friday for the most part. They're trying to get out of the House and out of the Senate as fast as they can and back home. But as we move towards the end of it, they'll be there Monday through Friday, and so will we. And if I'm not mistaken, and you guys correct me, Paul is going to be uh, using our our, uh, equipment so that he broadcasts live from the Capitol every day as well. Is that correct, Joe? Did we lose him? Oh, yeah. we got you back. Just wanted to, just was asking again, is uh, Paul still uh, going to be at the uh, the session uh, when it starts on January 14th? You know, we talked about that today. Uh, I think he's going to be there some. Uh, Josh Waters will be there some. But with that 6 a.m. deal, I, I'm not sure. We, we're not exactly sure how we're going to work that right now. Okay. Well, maybe we can, since he's going to, if he can be around, we can get him on the show as well. So that would be fun to have him here on the Dave Ellswick show from time to time. You guys hold on. I'll be back with you in just a moment. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. And uh, Eric is ready to handle your request. Now, he he's getting to the point now that if you want something specifically made uh, for your wife or your husband or, you know, a special person, uh, and you want it to be uh, unique, and you want uh, you know uh, Eric to use his talents as an artisan to make it. You got to get it in. You got to go talk to him. You've got to get it set up because it takes him some time to make that stuff. So you got to give him the time to get it done. Remember, he's over at three thousand Cavanaugh Boulevard, right here in Little Rock. He's in uh, the suites right along the side of the road. There, you'll have no problem finding him. His phone number is 246-3655. Of course, area code 501-246-3655. And uh, Eric is the kind of guy that can make whatever it is you want him to make. Bring in some old gold. He'll turn it into something new. Bring in uh, your mother's uh, wedding ring. And maybe you want to have something added or subtract it from it or change it. He can do that as well. Eric Coleman over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard in Little Rock. Arrow Plumbing, when you need a plumber, let me just suggest you use the one that I use, and that's Arrow Plumbing. 
find their phone number, find uh, all of their uh, things that they do, which is everything. Aeroplumbing.net, 100% satisfaction guarantee. Uh, If you're not 100% satisfied with the services they've provided, they'll refund all your money. And if you live in one of the historical neighborhoods where you still got iron uh, pipes, instead of having to have your uh, lawn dug up and those pipes pulled out and new pipes put in, they have a new tech uh, process that they go in and uh, put a material into your pipe, seals all the cracks, all the problems, hardens, gives those pipes the ability to have extra life, and saves you money. A lot of green. Talk to Aero Plumbing about that. Aeroplumbing.net or just Google Aero Plumbing. Joining us is uh, Joe and uh, Brenda from Conduit News. We've got about a minute until we get to the news, and we've been talking a little bit about uh, uh, taxes. I want, when we come back, y'all, did you read this front page story today in the paper about the method of funding schools has been scrutinized? Let me just read one small statement made by the new Senate pro tem elect, uh, President uh, 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 well, who was it? Uh, Jim Hendren. Quote, we may disagree about the amounts and methods, but I think all of us agree that school districts aren't getting all of the money or dollars to teachers that are meant for teachers. When we come back, let's talk about that, because I think that's a disingenuous statement for the simple reason if they're not getting all they're supposed to get, What's the damn superintendent doing? We'll talk about it. When we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show, we've got uh, Joe and Brenda with us from Conduit News, their website, conduitnews.com. All right, our guest uh, joining us from Northwest Arkansas from Conduit News is, uh, of course, Joe and Brenda. They join us every Monday at this time. Uh, Robert Steinbach's still here. I'm still here. And, of course, I want to talk about this article today which just ticks me off. And that's, that's dealing method of funding schools scrutinized, aims for money unmet, legislators say. Let me just re, uh, read this statement made by the Senate President pro tem-elect Jim Hendren of Sulphur Springs. Quote, the Republican. Yeah, a Republican. We may disagree about the amounts and methods. But I think all of us agree the school districts aren't getting all of the dollars they're supposed to be getting for teacher. I think it's teacher pay. Hold on. I got to turn the page here and get to it. Uh, Where is it? Okay, here it is. Uh, Dollars to teachers that are meant for the teachers. Okay, so down in this article, let me read this to you. It says, legislators determine the foundational funding amount using a matrix that takes into account an average school district's basic costs, such as faculty, staff, textbooks, transportation, and utility costs, and then they send that amount to the school districts. However, school districts decide how to spend that foundation fund, meaning they aren't required to raise teachers' salaries simply because lawmakers increased the line item for teachers in the funding matrix. Seems to me this comes down not to uh, 
to not having enough money because they're talking about raising the amount of money going to schools. This comes down to superintendents and school boards determining how they're going to use the money they are supplied. Am I? Am, did I miss something there? So your question is? <laughs> yeah, my question is simple. Sounds like to me this is a district problem, not a state problem. Well, yeah, Brenda was doing some ciphering while you yeah. while you were talking, <laughs> and and you can't I mean you can't make sense out of what these people do with this money. It's it, when it comes up short, they want more. That's just it. I, you know, I personally believe that a good teacher, you know, needs to be paid well. I also believe that factored into anybody's equation on this needs to be the amount of pension and benefits they get over and above their pay that are different than what you and I would get in a job. Absolutely. Which are are generally good. But that all needs to be looked at as a whole. But what I've seen in in just raising my children, uh, the way schools spend money, there's certainly no way to differentiate a good teacher from a bad teacher uh, financially because that's resisted at every turn. And they spend money on stuff that has nothing to do with education, and they resist school choice. Uh, it's, it's, well, it's just sad. I mean, I, I understand the debate is you're not going to tell us what to do with our money, and uh, we're paying our teachers what we want to on the local level. They decide that. But look in yesterday's paper. Yesterday was Sunday, I guess. It's been a hard week so far. But you have the accountability at a glance, 2018, the report cards for the teacher. And the thing that really struck me, Dave, was high school rating scale. This is grading the school districts A through F across the entire state, two full pages in Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And everyone got an A that scored above 73%. Well, I always had that when I was in school. Now, they are grading Arkansas schools on the curve. And, you know, anything below a 52 got a got an F. And you wouldn't believe how few got A's. And, and of course, Springdale, the largest school district in the state, you know, is, is way up there with a, with an A. And, and they pay, what, 76000 for their teachers a year? You know, their salaries? I mean... They pay high, and you know we can go way out. They've got a lot more money, do they? I mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, these things need to need to be looked at. But I would say that school choice is the answer. Well, and that's just it. I mean, Brenda hit it. Is number one, an argument can be made whether education is the government's job to start with. I don't know where in the Constitution it it, it empowers them to to monopolize the education system. Although I would concede that an educated population is necessary for a successful country, them being a self-appointed monopoly is not the solution. Well, I agree with that whole, wholeheartedly. We can adequately well, point out how I've many... To several people about over the years is property taxes. Now, property taxes are the, are the biggest revenue source for schools. Now, if... I live in a school district, and I have a house, and I pay my property taxes that goes to the school district, whether or not my children go there or not, whether or not they graduated you know, 20 years ago or not. But if I have a business that's in another school district, I'm paying a heck of a lot of money in property taxes, and I don't get a vote on the school board or that money. So that's taxation without, without representation. Yeah. Well, I I don't disagree with you on that. I personally I think there should come a time 
when you live in the, the good old U.S. of A., that if you own a house, you shouldn't have to pay property taxes anymore. That's somewhere along the line, you actually own the house that you live in. Well, you know, the left is against well, no, regressive taxation. But to pay $6,900 per student yes. in Arkansas today... And to say we need more money and teachers need more money and where are we going to get more money, you know. Well, you're leaving out the federal match, which is brings it up to eleven to eleven to twelve thousand dollars a That's year correct. per student. And and when when it gets to it's now it's thirty thousand dollars per student. Well, why don't you just hire a teacher for every two students? And well, you know, well, done, the, the the governor promised to raise teacher pay, uh, yes. and I agree that as a general matter. Uh, teachers are not paid enough. My sister is a, is a grade school teacher down in Florida. Uh, and you could only imagine how she has to scrimp and save and the money that she does, she uses to spend on students that's not given uh, by the school district. Uh, but if the school districts are not using that money for teacher pay, that's fraud. And I'm tired of government moving money around. If we vote for this governor, which we do, uh, uh, and support his policies, uh, which we often do, uh, then we need to have put into place by the governor and the legislature a strict protocol wherein they have allocated money for teachers and the school district can either give that to the teachers or not Take it. That simple. Or give it back. Or give it back. And I, by the way, I'm not too keen of a bunch of government bureaucrats, the principals, sort of divvying it up either, because I've seen how government bureaucrat administrators really create cronyism and corruption. So if we want to give raises to teachers, and generally I think that's a good idea, let's give an X percent, I'm making up a number, a 10% raise across the board to teachers, and that money either goes to them or it goes nowhere it goes back into the government treasury and i'm tired I'm of this shell prediction. game conduit is good at that i'm going to say that it will come as matching funds the yeah. state will give a district x amount of money to give to teachers if the local district matches it by x amount of money and dave you remember that's the matching principle to grow government oh yeah and uh, you know that's look at the building the taj mahal Tajma schools, you know, I mean, the buildings just can't get better. Joe said he went to school in a Quonset hut. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, we've seen that up here in Springdale built some uh, uh, Harbor High school, and it, you talk about an expensive project. Fayetteville did the same thing. Yes, Fayetteville, my God, that's an amazing structure. But they go all, all over the state. The state is offering money. You're going to lose the money if you don't mm-hmm. build spend on it. and you can't build if you don't go and have the people pay more in taxes. So it's a matching formula and i can see that happening with the schools and i just think schools overall uh we need to not be looking at paying more but you know what they do with the money you know i I don't know it it certainly is an interesting debate but to hear the legislature talk about it it becomes even more interesting since we know as much as we do about those people i'll tell you what the school that i went to in high school in highland indiana i can tell you right now if people went up there and looked at it they would say you went to this piece of garbage you got to be and when i was going to school we all thought it was like uh the uh, the be all end all kind of place you know it was it was wonderful and we and my school turned out x amount of you know road scholars and all kinds of kids and uh well i think they uh there are some some examples i, I remember they did build in uh 
Senator Hendren's district over in Gravit, they built a a very efficient school. I mean, they they spent the right amount of money, got a, got a real good bang for their buck, and they're doing pretty well over there. But that's not the norm. Now, you're the right. Norm it is isn't the norm. Overpaying by three or four times the construction cost to build a monument to the bureaucracy rather than you know, focusing on the education. And I, Indoor football practice, for example, uh, here at Prairie Grove. Yeah, I mean, I've got to tell you that just like anything else in government, the, the, the private sector can do a much, much better job, let people, the free market can sort this out. You know, I would rather my kids go to school, uh, you know, in a, in a just a square metal building that has excellent teachers than some great palace that they don't have any education when they come out. Joe, yes, I do, do I? I don't do, know do what I, the solution is or where you put well, the. Do I dare? Hey, do I dare? We know what it's not. Do I dare say that I believe my kids can learn, my grandkids now can learn just as well walking on linoleum as well as they can learn walking on marble? Maybe a little better. Well, yeah, maybe I, I, so. That opens up another whole subject of, of regulation, standardization, and specifications that government does. For example, you know, let's say fire code. I mean, there are, there are so many codes for building highways that, that are so inefficient and, and they're just wasting money that they're just built in. You can't build unless you use this, these materials because someone has deemed it safer. You know, Arkansas, if, if we really want to do this right, I think it's simple. What we should do is we should uh, put up a chart on Arkansas State Government website of what we pay our teachers across the state and maybe break it down by school or break it down by district or, or break it down by region and then compare it with schools across the country as well as the cost of living, because you have to factor that in, of course. And then we, and I don't think we do too great right now. And I think we should dedicate money to our teachers and tell the country we are going to be the best state in the union in terms of pay for teachers relative to cost of living. Because obviously someone who lives in San Francisco uh, needs a higher pay because the cost of housing is a million dollars, let's say. So it needs to be relative to cost of living. And we should be the best paying. And by the way, this is not self-serving because this doesn't apply to universities. This is for K through 12. So uh, don't worry, I'm not going to see a penny of it. And even when we get raises, I generally don't see a penny of it. But don't that's worry, politics. he'd massage it in the bill. Yeah, I'd, I'd put it in the bill, <laughs> but but I'd make sure you didn't see that. But no, but seriously. Yeah, you, know, you know people. K through 12. I would disagree, Robert, yeah. and then here's why. Yeah. The, the amount you pay a teacher is not the measuring stick. The measuring stick is the level of education. The result. Well, of course. Of course. Into the student. Of course it and is. And that, that pay can't be really tied directly to that because of all the other uh, factors. You know, you, you get somebody that's been poorly educated for eight years, and you're judged on what you do one year. I, you know, I get that. Right. But the, the, the measure has to be the result, like Dave said, of what's the education level of the, of the average person coming out of that school. And if it's not that... We're just working around the edges. The well, but you've got to do two things, right? That's you've got to increase pay, and then you've yeah. got to have benchmarks for output. And the output is based on 
you test a student coming into the class, and then you test a student at the end of the year. So I don't care if they're dullards to begin with. They they need to be slightly less dullards when they come out of the process and work their way up. (laughs) But it needs to be twofold, right? It can't just be measuring output if you can't attract talent. So we should be – don't worry. We're not going to get to the top of that list anytime soon. We should increase pay of teachers, not buildings, and we should increase quality. And it should be – predicated upon what you said which i agree with is that you're sent that money if you don't use it for teacher salaries i think you're a superintendent you cool your heels in jail personally that's right that's fraud that's fraud fraud. a lot of these problems if people can take the money that they're forced to pay now to educate their children through the government system and they can move that with the student oh i'm with you they choose Believe me, this problem will get solved in 10 years. I'm, I'm reading right the with article you. yesterday about the, uh, you know, grading the school districts. It, it is full of how can we change that where the, the grades are not so low. It's not changing the, the uh, what the children have learned or what they're getting from the education as much as it's, you know, the, the, the test is rigged or it's not properly uh, working in these districts. I mean, right. how we can Anything compete. above a 50 is an A. They might change the rules. <laughs> I mean, really. But, you know, I mean, we're, we're losing the battle in Arkansas about educating. If you don't believe it, ask companies who are trying to find a workforce. I mean, that's where the test really is. Yeah, I'm right, I'm right here. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Let's say, me. And, hey, and Joe, now, I got Joe and Brennan. I got to get a final break in. Stay with me. We'll be back. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we return. Don't forget that Uncle Sam is licking his chops right now, and he's looking right at you. He can't wait for you to retire because he could tax you at every turn, including taxing your IRA and 401k, taxing your Social Security benefits, taxing your investment income. It would be a field day for the government unless you take steps to defend yourself now. And you're invited to a special one-time screening of the documentary film, The Power of Zero, The Tax Train is Coming. That's happening Thursday at UA Breckenridge Theater here in Little Rock, hosted by David Lucas of the David Lucas Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer, 10 a.m. on Saturdays. This event is free, but it's limited to just 90 people. I heard that there was two tickets left, free tickets. If you've saved $500,000 for retirement, call to reserve your free ticket now at 501-653-6690. 501-653-6690. Again, 501-653-6690. Hey, don't forget about my good friend Sonny over Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. A week ago, they put a new transmission. By new, I mean it had 21,000 miles on it. Great transmission. Didn't have anything uh, wrong with it. Was put in my car from a well-maintained total loss vehicle it was a vehicle was in an accident uh the insurance company uh total it total loss uh they bought it they take it all apart they uh take a look at each and every part and then uh, we can re- they can recycle those auto parts i have nothing to do with sunny's auto salvage i'd be totally lost over there but the bottom line is they'll sell you the parts from that automobile uh and make sure uh, that it's going to fit your car whatever your car they've got some recycled auto parts that you can use and i use uh, a transmission it's in it's working perfectly 
I don't have to worry about it going into neutral now when I'm driving down the road. It stays in drive, and uh, it's great. I got a three-year warranty, parts and labor, unlimited mileage on that transmission. If it goes down in uh, Vermont, at the very edge of uh, the United States and Canada, they'll fix it right where it's at, and then I can be on my way home. They're great about all of that service for you. I've known RD for a long time, and Sonny's backs what they sell. Their number to call, 982-7451. 982-7451. Brenda and Joe, we're just about out of time. Let me just ask this question, uh, because we've beaten this thing about the schools, and I'm all about what you're saying about school choice. I've been saying that for millennium now, and I feel that old. Uh, but the bottom line is, what are you all working on uh, in the future, you've been talking about this thing about taxes. Are you guys going to write about uh, about schooling and things of that nature as well? Well, possibly from a budgetary standpoint. Okay. I did want to mention the good news. There is some good news. What's that? Arkansas is planning on spending lots more taxpayer money expanding their educational uh, efforts into workforce development. Okay. So the, the, the K-12 is not enough. They're going to they're expand that to do more so we can expect more of the same. <laughs> okay. You know he's being sarcastic. but we, I do we know. Government to leave free people alone, and if they would do more of that, we would have more, um, uh, you know, success all the way around. Let people do what they want with their money, you know, take less of it. And give us more choices and less regulation. I mean, and and as we talk about school and write about education, it's related to who do we have to hire? You know, you bring in these companies, who do they have to hire? Uh, Workforce increases as the education of our K-12 gets better. All right. I appreciate you all. Thanks so much for coming on today. We'll keep this going on. I think it's a great hour of debate about what's happening here in the, uh, the state and keeping people up to date about what the government is trying to do. We'll be talking to you again next Monday. Y'all have a great week, all right? Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Joe and Brenda here on the Dave Ellswick Show from Conduit News. Again, they publish uh, articles that you can have Monday through Monday, basically. Just go to conduitnews.com. Tomorrow, Robert's going to... We're going to sneak him in by phone for the power panel. We've got to talk about this story in the paper today. The county, which would be Pulaski County in North Little Rock, a pet's impounding violated due process, a U.S. suit claims. Does a dog have due process? We'll have Robert on tomorrow. I'll give give you 20 seconds. What do you think? I'm skeptical. We'll talk about it tomorrow. (laughs) All right. Thanks for coming in today, Robert. God bless. We'll talk to you all tomorrow at 2 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.